This episode is brought to you by Zeratech Software Development. Are you a company whose commitment to excellence demands effective software tools? Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help build or enhance your technological systems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. You can find them at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. Hey guys, today on the podcast, I sat down and chatted with Seth Waters. Seth is many different things. He's the owner of the Dark Waters Fly Shop in Iron River, Michigan. He is a content creator. He has some amazing videos on YouTube out of the Dark Waters channel, the fly fishing videos. Uh, He owns a fly fishing guide service out of Iron River. He's a pastor. Uh, We got into some pretty heavy stuff. Heard a lot about his backstory, uh, how he got into the music industry, out of the music industry, how he came to the UP, how he got into fly fishing. Uh, so it was it was awesome to catch up, or I should say meet Seth, hear some of his backstory and get into where he came from and where he's going and how he got there. So I thought I should mention too that if you do have a younger audience, this may not be the one for them. Uh, also just, again, really appreciated visiting with Seth. I enjoyed this one. I hope you guys do also. Welcome to the Obsessed Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Herkus. In this podcast, we get to meet and hear from folks who are obsessed with a wide array of interesting endeavors. We dive into some awesome stories and look at the mindsets and the psychology of those who are obsessed. Let's go. Well, I mean, I was just telling you that the overarching theme is to hear about other people that are passionate about things, yeah. but you said, hey, what do you think about the potential? Whatever you want to do, man, Like, because I can nerd out on, you know you know efron simulans mayflies sure in june or you yeah. know and, and whatever like at, to anything no. theology whatever you want to do yeah no you hit the nail on the head though so i'd really like to hear about the act itself right like your fly fishing world how you got sure. into that but yeah. i above that my really strong interest is always in you as a person right yeah. and before we got on you were talking about some of your backstory and how you got to where you are yeah. where you are today and to the point of maybe too much, I talk quite a bit or I have talked quite a bit on here about that kind of that double-edged thing of the obsession, right? There's a negative component yeah. to it, the ADHD yeah. side of things. Uh, the fact that, hey, if it's you take that tendency and channel it towards something that's good and positive, yeah. how powerful that can be, right? So I, I like... So you you asked a, a pastor to come on your podcast, so right. I, I, but I'm not. I just want to be really respectful of like anyone that would listen to this. This sure. isn't a sales pitch, right. okay? So this is just a perspective that I hold. Yeah, I believe that God created the world, right? And we all have these unique fingerprints. Sure, okay. Just like every single person, like you don't have a unique fingerprint like in today's world. You have a unique fingerprint of the entirety of humanity. Sure. Okay. And so what I see is like every person has these unique traits and that's Mm -hmm. just an external symbol to us that we have them. And when they're used for our ego or when they're used for our own selfish ambition or our own deal, they work against us. Sure. But when they're yielded over and like allowed to just be what they are without any pretense, without any pride, without any ego, you know what I mean? That's when I believe that like the Lord can really use us and God can like take those things and allow us to. And so what, what, you know, whatever, I mean, and some, some people see religion as like a self-esteem thing that whatever, I'm not, we don't need to go down that road, but I just, that's what I, how I see it. And every time I've been able to, even in my fly fishing passion, it's funny, man, because weaknesses come out. Like it's something I'm super passionate about and I love it. But mm-hmm. the reality is, is I've only been doing it for like hardcore. I've only been doing it for like 10 years. Right. You know, so like when, you know, and I might do it 300 days a year, mm-hmm. you know, for 10 years, which is different. You know, when guys call me for the fly shop, right. like, 
to book a trip, I'll ask them what their experience is. Oh, I've been fly fishing for 20 years. And I'm like, oh, sweet. You know, how many times a year do you fish? And they're like, oh, twice. Right. And I'm like, oh, okay. So you fished for 40 days. Yeah. You know, right. you haven't fished for 20 years. Right. right? And so right. like, but when I go out, like we're fishing, you know, I had a 27 and a half inch wally on the ice two, two nights ago. Yeah. So it was just, that's what we had. Right. Um, all that being said, I get passionate about these things and I can find out that I'm, Oh, I'm the new guy yet. I still got to yeah. learn. I got a lot to learn. Right. But that, be, but that becomes part of the fun. Yeah, for sure. No, and I can appreciate it. You talk about, Hey, I don't want to preach or I yeah, don't want to yeah, put yeah, somebody yeah. else, but that's, no, yeah. I want to explore that is even for me personally. And I think for somebody that's listening, God could mean literally like God in, sure. a, in a literal sense, yeah. but it's also could mean spirituality yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah. You could say it and have the same lesson come out of either a strictly religious thing or just like a life thing. You know what I mean? It doesn't yeah. have to be like, Hey, yep. you're, you're, you're putting a religion well, people on have me been or doing putting it from a religion on else, right? so it's I'm not that weird. Yeah, right. <laughs> but know? I'm just saying it. Yeah. They spiritualize things, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can be open to the message. And to me, it's about like, again, the human psychology and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. It's, it's more about life lessons and all that. It's, it can be about God for you. It is right. Sure. But I'm just saying it doesn't have to be, right. and it doesn't have to be offensive or whatever. Like I had a really a funny, I had a really funny, uh, situation happen where I had these two guys that were, had come up, um, fly fishing and, 90% of my, my guests that come up they're they're guys that are retired that have already worked out the grind mm-hmm. and they can afford to pay a guy right then obscene amount of money to take them fishing. Yeah. Um, and so I shouldn't say obscene cause it's not obscene, but like, you can know what I'm saying more than the average person sure. to the point where most guys, my age, they're like, I'm not going to pay somebody to do that. Why right. would I do that? Right. Right. So these guys come up and they're just, you know, these guys are usually well thought out you know what I mean? They've mm-hmm. been, they've been through life and right. I got a, you know, I'm, I'm 38 right now. This was probably when I was 35. This guy's sitting in my car we're driving to the, to the spot we're going to guide. And so he, all these guys ask me from the moment they show up in my car. So what brought you to the UP? You right. know? And I, so I give him in the nutshell, like a 30 second little bit, like, all right, born in Wisconsin. Dad was a pastor. I was super rebellious. I bounced. I ran away. I lived out in California, got involved in the music scene, was successful reasonably in the music scene, wound up in substance abuse treatment. There's a faith-based program, got my act together. Now I pastor a church in Iron River. Right? Right. Right. This guy realizes I'm a pastor in the passenger seat and I could just see him just go, yeah, I get myself really. <laughs> and I looked in the rearview mirror, and his buddy was in the back seat, kind of chuckling, like right. this look, like, like I don't know, the guy had a sensitive spot there or something. I don't know. Yeah. And I was trying to break the ice, so goofing around. I gave it a couple minutes, but it was awkward silence. Like I go, I go, so guys, we're going on this fishing trip. What do you want to talk about first, uh, religion or politics? Right. And I'm just totally goofing off. Right. Like I mean, that's not, you know, that's the last thing I want to talk about in most cases. Right. And. Uh, and the guy in the passenger seat, dude, just got super like yeah. uptight, like yeah. leaning back. And his buddy's <laughs> trying not to laugh in the back seat. Well, well, the guy in the passenger seat was literally squirming. He turned a seat heater on. Yeah. And so we're driving down, and it's like an eighty degree day or whatever. And he's like, he's like squirming, and he's like, dude, is this? Is there a seat heater on in here? And I'm like, now I'm like, I go, no, bro, that's a conviction of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, like, and then he got it. Like, then he started laughing and all that kind of stuff. So oh, I'm just goofing around. You know, people, when it comes to that stuff, that in these kinds of conversations, just, yeah, it is what it is. I'm right. not, guys come up, my job isn't, it's not my job. Sure. You know, to sure. convert them, you know, whatever. Right. So, right. But no, I think it's powerful and it's, it's, it's sweet. You, you kind of went over a bit ago, the 30 second version, but before we got on, you gave me the five minute version of kind of how you got to where you're yeah. at. Can we break that down? Can we go into that somewhat? Yeah, we don't have don't, to break don't it mind. down necessarily, yeah, but no, I'm just curious fine. if you can give that story just like, because again, it just, again, you heading out to California, like what inspired that? 
Um, uh, yeah, there was some. There was a desire there. Like I had the opportunity to pursue um, some ministry schooling over there because my dad was a pastor, and it was in Southern California. Okay. So like that was like, oh, if now I got a really good excuse to go out there. Right. Um, but I yeah, I had a friend of mine. I had been in trouble for like you know a lot of just drug related incidents and stuff in the small town that I grew up in. My town was known for. Um, two things. It was known for the porn shops on the highway, and it was known for uh, Ed Gein, who was a serial killer back in the day, inspired the Texas Chainsaw Massacre story that happened sure. in Plainfield, Wisconsin. That's where I grew up. Right. Um, town of 800 people. Yeah. Trucking community. And, you know, and so it was just cornfields and nothing. Right. My dad was a good musician. He got me involved in music. So when I grew up, I had a back 40 I could play in the woods, or I had a drum set I could play music. And yeah. I, my dad had other instruments. So I figured out how to play those. And did that as well. I just caught on quick. It was passion. So music was, it's really funny because some people in my life right now, like they only know me as a, as a fisherman hmm. or some of them like only know me as a pastor. Right. And they're like, Oh, he kind of likes to fish, huh? You know, you can tell cause they're like, Hey, you should hang out with my friend. He likes to fish. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this, is fly, this is fly fishing. Like this isn't right. not the same thing. And so, um, same thing with, with the music. Like I have people that are like, wait, you don't play music anymore. Yeah. And I'm like, no, like I don't, I don't. I used to perform. I used to do entertainment out at Indian Head and Blackjack and Ski Brule and like when I first moved up here because right. that's how I paid the bills. Sure. So I just gigged out and ran sound and did all that stuff. Yeah. And I just don't anymore. Right. Um, do, you did a mix of okay, so you do the sound, the back end side of things, but you'd also be out there performing, yeah. playing drums and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like and and, and okay. different gigs, you know, ask for different. Sometimes I was just only the sound guy. Okay. You know, I've been up. I I've run sound over here at the tech it, for like in the comments for like they used to bring like metal bands in and stuff like that I used to run sound for all those sure okay. um, you know and uh, there was a punk band that, there, like a like a Celtic punk band from Chicago that used to come up here flat for 56 all the time they used to come up here we used to run sound for those shows yeah you know and this was I don't know eight years ago something like that right but right. anyways yeah so I, I was I had all these different sides but when I went out to California it was a little bit of both I went out there because I had an opportunity to go to this college this two year and then I had the opportunity to um, just explore life you know, mm-hmm. it's the west coast man I grew up in a town of 800 people right and and I was living in Oceanside for three years yeah, on the beach, right. you know, like surfing and doing all kinds of stuff and then playing music and, yeah. and doing things there. So, and that's when I, that's when I realized like, oh, I could actually, that was for the first time where I realized like, oh, I could, I might be able to like make a living doing music. Right. So I bounced back and forth between this like collage of like the ministry side of my life that was brought through my parents mm-hmm. and then like my own like searching. Right. And I just didn't. I, if I could have done it without the ministry side of things, I would have. Sure. Like, I absolutely would have. Um, just because I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. And then when I got to the place where I felt like I could with music, that's when I wound up. Um, I, I started taking uh, some employment down in Chicago area. It was in the south suburbs for a while. And then I wound up in the uh, downtown area for a little bit. And, you know, the outlying areas I had friends that were going to school at Columbia, Columbia University and stuff. So we'd be in the studio there recording and doing things. and. Mm-hmm gigging out all over the place that's when substance abuse became an issue sure you know and it was something that i was just absolutely like there were the music and music and psychedelics were like not they were the same thing to me sure they sure. weren't two different things like you couldn't enjoy one without the other like right. you're only getting half of the party if you had one you know sure so the substance abuse for me was had a really 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 deep grasp in my identity even and who i was like my dad died when i was 20 so like it was it was a random unexpected thing um you know so that shook me and then when that happened it was kind of like all right all the other things are out the window i'm just like whatever i didn't have any framework for reality i was 
you know, tanked on hallucinogens and all this stuff. Got to the point where I couldn't even function as a musician anymore, and that's where things got scary. Right. Is as it, as my own personal identity was was wrapped up in this talent that I had developed you know, musically mm-hmm. and my ability to like be in front of people and entertain and do all this stuff or work hard in the background and, and you know and and earn money. So when I realized that I couldn't do that anymore, I actually went back and I tried to, I tried to kind of start over and, and I tried to get clean on my own. Mm-hmm. Like I went back to my mom's house. She still lived in Plainfield. My three little sisters were still living there and I moved in and, and I basically, I showed up at like 2am, you know, it, one night because I was just so spun out. I was like, I've had enough. I went back and I'm like, all right, I'm going to try to get myself clean. Right told my mom oh, i just had to get out of a sketchy situation like externalized all of it obviously didn't have to do with me i didn't tell her about any of my addiction issues i got a job um at a at a local restaurant high-end restaurant i was a bartender there for a while a bunch of the cooks in the kitchen were like aware and and kind of followers of some of the bands that i played in down in the cities and i get there one night and they just start <laughs> high-fiving me like glue stick containers full of coke and like mm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. like there's just they were all dealers and they were like sweet this dude's up here and he's working and hey he can be friends with us but then they just started giving me drugs again so then i started then i then i started using a lot of hard drugs and it was less about the recreational aspect and it was more about just like just filling a uh, an empty hole yeah you know just like i just i could i would want to get so i didn't even like cocaine man but for about a year and a half i was doing about an eight ball a day just sure just banging coke and i and it was just to just to stay numb because i felt like i failed you know with the music thing i felt like i didn't have any framework for reality when it came to you know so so i wound up uh i was gonna kill myself man i mean if we're gonna get real um and i was gonna i was gonna shoot myself in the head man and i loaded i loaded a pistol that i had and i sat and i thought you know what before i do this i'm gonna i'm gonna just reach for my bible one last time and I flipped open to this, um, what many would think is a really obscure section of the Bible. I had been through Bible college, and I had been through a whole life as my dad being a pastor. Mm-hmm. And I never um, read this book for some reason. I had studied the Bible. Like, I had, I had definitely, like, studied, you know, the Bible in, in a lot of different lights. Um, and for some reason, I never came across this book. It's called Lamentations. And basically what it showed was it showed this image of the nation of Israel according to God's promise to Abraham. And they only came and served God when they were in trouble. Hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so throughout the course of history, the nation of Israel, this is extra biblical information too, is that like throughout the course of the nation of Israel, they had these moments where they were like on hilltops and mountaintops and they had other ones where they were in valleys. Right. And when they were in valleys, according to their history, they have uh, basically, they just say, this is when we were rebellious to God. Like we, we became, we caved to the consequences of our destructive patterns sure. and we caved. And, you know, some people will say, well, God threw them into judgment. Other people say as a consequences of their own actions, whatever. When the book of Lamentations was written as this, this poetic book that was written uh, by many think this guy named Jeremiah, and they're not 100% sure who wrote it, but it's this, it's this book of like sorrow songs. It's laments, it's Lamentations. Mm-hmm. And so they go through this and basically there's all of these documents of how distraught their nation became some theologians actually believe they that they were performing cannibalism to survive sure eating their children in order to survive it's a horrible thing now this podcast is not going to be able to right. right i don't know anyways i realized it was a picture of my life i realized that i had all these opportunities in my life to like step into what god wanted for me mm-hmm. and um and in that moment i like i was just like i've been like that like i've only been around like 
Christianity or God or church or whatever when I was in trouble, sure. you know, because I just wanted to get out of jail free card. And this could possibly be the same type of scenario, like if there is a God, you know, right? And at that moment, it's going to sound crazy, but I just, I'm open about it. I believe God like actually spoke to me audibly and he said, Seth, do you want to know what your problem is? And I was like, what in the world? I thought, okay, this is the drugs I'm on, whatever. And, and I just said, I just said, what? And he goes, y- you have attempted, you have made attempts to align your life with what I want for you. Right. Um, but you draw the line. You decide when enough is enough. And whenever you do that, you, te- you fail. Right. And I immediately had flashbacks of like every instance in my life where I had like opportunities to do, to, to, to live pleasing to God and to live according to what I believed he was leading me to do. And, and I, I would go, I would, I would do a little bit, but then it was like when I thought it was good enough Mm -hmm. and I stopped, then I would like just back, just tank, I would Mm. just tank. And so in that process, I was able to see that. And I thought, I, I literally said, I'm like, okay, if, if you're God and you're telling me this, it's great to know this. It's great that I can tell you this, uh, or that you can tell me what my problem is, but like, great. So now I know why I'm failing. It doesn't matter. Right. I've already tried. I'm failing. Like I can't fix this. Right. You know, the solution is not just try harder or just pray more. Like that's because I've tried that and Mm -hmm. it doesn't work. And, um, and he said, he said, I can tell you if you want, like I can give you a way out. And I was like, what? And he, and he said, he said, I'm going to, I'm going to, he said, "If if you commit your life to me, and you decide that you, uh, that like you're not gonna decide how far I take you in your walk with me, um, I promise you a couple things. He's, I, I'm not gonna leave you or forsake you. Uh, well, actually, the first thing he said was this is gonna be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. Sure. And I thought he was talking about like detox, and I didn't realize that all these other things are gonna transpire in my life. Um, but uh, so it's gonna be the hardest thing you've ever done. Um, I." I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm not going to leave you hanging. It might feel like it sometimes. But I'm not going to. Right. And, and the third thing was, is, and if you do these things, I'm going to restore your life beyond anything that you would ever imagine. Huh. Okay. So take that for what it is. That sounds crazy. I put the gun down. I checked myself into a rehab facility. Uh, one of my friends who was a state trooper and uh, another friend of mine literally drove me from Stevens Point, Wisconsin, down to Greenville, Tennessee. Right. Like 12 hours straight right. in a car to, to get me into rehab. And I got there and I'd spent 18 months in a facility where... Um, every moment of my day was decided for me before I got there. It huh. was there were certain times of the day where I was not allowed to talk between mm. the hours of like 7 p.m. and 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, there was your your uh, if you broke rules, your discipline was like manual labor. We literally moved like like thousands of cubic feet of like slate and clay from like a, a slope of the foothill of the Smokies that came down to the back like kitchen area, right. and they wanted it leveled for a backyard. And like I'm like, sweet, where's the backhoe? And they're like, you're it. Right. And I was up there with a pickaxe and a shovel and a wheelbarrow for the first two months, and I didn't care. Yeah. Because I wasn't doing drugs. Right. Right. And I was like, this is awesome. And yeah. so many guys came through that program. And they're like, this is stupid. Yeah. This is dumb. How's this going to teach me how to get clean? I'm like, I'm clean. Right. You know. And I'm like, dude, I watched probably a hundred guys going. I was there for 18 months, longer than the program. Like, it was six months longer than the program was mm-hmm. supposed to go right? because I wouldn't leave because I didn't want to because I was I just was worried that I'd tank if I left and yeah. I finally got to the point where like I felt like the Lord was moving me on he called me up to the UP and now I live up here yeah. got involved with the ministry it was extremely like difficult years of ministry um, you know I saw suicide and divorce and 
you know, all kinds of crazy, crazy things go down in ministry. Right. It was horrible. Right. Like I was like, I understand why people tell me that they don't want to go to church. (laughs) Like I get it. Right. Um, at the same time I was, I was serving people and I was trying to just help people. And in that process, uh, the pastors that were, were there before me resigned and the board asked me to take over. I said, no, I'm not taking over. This is crazy. Right. Uh, I said, I'll fill in for six months. I was like, and after six months, if you can't find anybody to fill the pulpit, like you just, there's, Dude, Iron River's got like 35 churches, man. 34 mm-hmm. ain't gonna matter, right? You know, and uh, and so I—that's what I said. And after six months, um, I was like, I think I want to do this. Yeah. And and we had a heart for it. My wife and I. But I was married at that time. That time I was mm-hmm. met my wife uh, ten years, no, eleven years ago. We've been married ten years now. We got two kids. Mm-hmm. Six-year-old little girl. Sure. His name's Sayla. And then we got a little boy named Harvey. Unreal. He just turned one like two days ago. Yeah. So, but like family. Um, entrepreneur of business stuff. Uh, the, the, when I first got up here, I was like, came from the cities, man, or right. I came from rehab. So I was like, I was kind of new, but like before that I'd been in the cities. Right. I'm like, what am I going to do in the UP? Yeah. Like, you know, and I moved up here in 2008. <clears throat> it was a mm-hmm. great time to move to the UP. Sure. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and I just, I scraped, man. Um, I, we squatted in a house, me and a couple guys squatted in a house without utilities on it. The guy, the guy was in prison in Florida somewhere. Uh-huh. We finally ended up like getting a hold of him and, and, uh, he, you know, we rented the house and like, you know, got, we got it rolling and I started a single guy's house, take right. guys in, uh, that were troubled with substance abuse and everything. I got it, picked up a guy out of, took a guy out of Iron County jail after he did like a 40 day in there mm-hmm. he's on city council now in iron river unreal you know what i mean like right. wife and three beautiful little girls and you know it's yeah. just it's just it's it's wild like kind of the things that have happened so that's my passion yeah. there for just ministry and like right. you know not being afraid to one of the things that i think is is appealing um about some of the ministry that we do is we're, we're not trying to get hung up on things that don't matter sure you know and so that's people see that as tangible. They see it as real. And right. now it's not, you know, and it's not fake. Right. Nobody's trying to waste time anymore, man. Yeah. You know? So, uh, but then the fishing thing happened. So I'm looking around and go, what am I going to do in iron river? And I just get on a map and I see all this water and I'm like, huh, maybe I should try fishing. Yeah. So I went and fished a couple lakes, caught some largemouth bass. And I was like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Got on a river dude. And I started catching trout and I was like, Oh, this is a game changer. Yeah. Like the river changes course, every rock, every branch, every, every day the river changes. Right. So you just have all these parameters, a lake, there's changes that take place. There's an ecosystem, but it's not as complex as, as a river, you know, at, at least visually. And so when I started doing it, I started catching fish and then I started realizing how much water there was. So when I first moved here in 2008, after I started fishing for a while, I I determined at one point that I was going to take. And once a week I was going to fish a new location. So I fished almost, I fished a lot, Mm -hmm. but once a week, one of the days that I would fish, I would go and fish a new location. And after eight years of finding a new location once a week from trout opener until the last Saturday of April until the first of October, once a week during those windows, I was going somewhere that I had never fished before. And after eight years, I stopped because I was still only driving like 30 minutes from my house. Yeah. Forrester Research interviewed 206 senior technology leaders in major organizations responsible for software development sourcing. 63% said their software development service partners do not have a full understanding of their end customer. If you're dead serious about moving faster and getting more done, Zeratech Software Development can help you move forward with confidence. 
Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help solve your problems with mobile, web, and back-end solutions. As they align with their clients, they use a proven method to understand the scope of the problem and help demystify the steps to make it go away. They will deliver the software solution you need, and they do it with the integrity that you'd expect from a family-owned business in the heartland of America. Schedule a call with the team at Zeratech today at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. And I live in downtown Iron River. Right. Like, so, like hundreds of hundreds of locations that I had never seen before. That I and I stopped after eight years because I didn't feel like I was getting anywhere. Right. And I was like, I want to go visit the Superior Tributaries, and I want to go see, you know, whatever. I want to go into the Porcupine Mountains, or I want to, you know. Right. And uh, you know, and, and I was fly fishing the whole time as well. So that brings on this whole new dimension because now you're paying attention to like all the aquatic insects and fish patterns and water temperatures and. You know, all that migrating, you know, where the seasonal migrations that take place, all that stuff. So let alone like the gear, your fly rod and waders and fly selections and tippet and all your just nerd stuff. Right. Um, I just got into it. Yeah. It was therapeutic. Right. You know. Right. That's crazy. The uh, the whole story, I appreciate it. So it's fun. <laughs> cool, it, it, man, it's, I know. <laughs> I have, uh, I give presentations for a couple different things. I do it in trout fishing. Like I go and I, I'll be a guest speaker and talk about fly fishing in the UP. I, right. I do, uh, I go up to Isle Royal every year and fly fish Coaster Brook Trout, mm-hmm. which is actually a relatively, um, there's not a lot of information on that anywhere. Sure. And I talked to the park rangers um, and we're, it's been really cool because the Coaster Brook Trout's on, like, on a watch list for endangered species. There's all these, it's a special breed of fish that is, only in Lake Superior in the way that it is around Isle Royal. Right. We go up there, we do that. Um, I actually, you know, learning all of these things, I've, you know, I teach, a, I'm teaching a class for Purdue University um, this summer. They're going to do like an aquatic insect study. They bring hmm. students up to do wildlife and biology studies in Iron County. Mm-hmm. So there's like all these deep dives into all this stuff. And it's just, to me, it's just funny. Right. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I never, I never planned on doing any of this. Right. It was just something that kind of popped up and I'm like, right on. Yeah. Let's see where it goes. No, that's crazy. The, can I have you as much as you can? Sorry. Yeah. 7B. I no. forget. These are high gain mics. I'll sound better right here. Yeah. No, that, that, that looks perfect. The, uh, but so going through that, when you went to rehab, yeah. what was that experience like? And, and did it, it got you clean. Right. But I'm saying like, is it a, a it's what a, kind of a brain process? So this is the thing is, is so like I worked on staff there after a while too. And okay. what people have to realize is that like, they don't, a lot of, like, I've talked to, I've talked to probably hundreds of parents that, or loved ones that call and say they want to get their, their, this, an individual into treatment. Yeah. And, um, most people, like when I get a phone call that says, Hey, I want to get my relative into treatment. Yeah. I already know there's the issues deeper than they think it is for sure. Because the, the individual's not calling and it's normal. I mean, there right. a lot of people, interventions and things like that they want to do, but, um, yeah, the, the, you know, I've heard arguments that people have that I don't weigh in on anymore. Cause I think it's apples and oranges. The, like mm-hmm. people want to talk about addiction. Is it a, is it a choice or is it a disease? Sure. It, it's not one or the other. It's, it's both, right. you know, and, um, it's, it starts as a choice. Right. Like we make choices. Every single one of us makes choices and that's how, and we go, but like at a certain point, your brain and your, and the chemistry in your body start overruling your, intuition or like what you think you should do or your conscience even mm-hmm. and then you've got a problem right and i mean it doesn't just happen with drugs either i mean gosh you know you, there's there's all kinds of issues that 
you know, we talk about like a 1%. We are the 1%, man. Right. Like you and I in the in the history of the world, in the history we have so we're so comfortable. Right. So comfortable, man, like and and so when you're an addict in a society like that to go from like a situation where you are just you are literally feeding your addiction so bad that you have tanked all of your relationships and maybe lost your money or or you know, and I saw guys come in and lose relationships with their kids, man, mm-hmm. and, and their and, and all that stuff. Or you come to situate like, dude, I was I was a young kid, and one of my classmates took the front half of his face off with a deer rifle, mm. drunk, intoxicated right. at sixteen year olds old, and didn't die. He lived right. for the next five years. He didn't see taste or smell, yeah. you know, and like, and then he was successful taking his life. Like years on, it's horrible, horrible things that go down um, because of substance abuse. But one of the things that that people have to, I think, is the most healthy thing. Um, is to like, why is it so hard to imagine that I'm wrong about something? Sure. Is it pride? Like, why is know. it? Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's, and it, well, it's mixed at that point because you obviously we have ego and we're, right. and we're, 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 we're taught to be scared of being wrong. Right. We're scared of being wrong. Cause that means, cause if we're wrong and somebody else knows they're going to use it against us. Sure. Right. Yeah. And so we get this, like these walls. Um, and that just comes from a lack of love in our society that comes from a lot of things. Right. And I'm not trying to like go super deep here, but Mm -hmm. when it comes to addiction, I had to get to a place that I could, that I had to be able to trust someone other than myself with my, with my actions. Sure. And that's scary. Right. Especially because you're not ever going to find a perfect person. No. Right. You know, you're always going to find something wrong with the person that you're listening to. But is it like, well, was that person better than me at the, at any of these other things? Like that person's not addicted to drugs, so I'll listen to them today. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Maybe a homeless guy, but he's not addicted to drugs. I'll figure out the home thing later. Like, mm-hmm. show me what you got. Right. You know, honestly. So. Yeah. No, we can go as deep. I, I I like the deep. I prefer the deep. Right Because that's where. People... Yeah, I don't know the audience that listens to this or anything. So they're they're. I've had friends yeah. tell me that when I do presentations that they're it's like drinking out of a fire hydrant. So yeah. <laughs> I apologize. No, I appreciate it and I like it and I like to go there because it's. I learn from it. You know what I mean? Like you tell me about your life story and I can relate sure. to it in this way, that way, whatever it might yeah, be. Or if you see something different and you can shed light on something, I'm not opposed to differing, you know, opinions. Yeah. You know? Right. No, and I think it's, it's oftentimes myself included, it can be scared to go there, but I, I don't know. At some point I lost that fear. I, I could talk about anything right now. No cool. problem. Like, yeah. I, I think that's good. That's a good that. value to your character. Cause you know, it's, um, that people I don't think people see that a lot yeah. these days you know just because of what we're what we're told that we the ways that we have to live you know we're kind of have these influences and right. it starts in school you know and our kids pick on each other or something and then that kid starts to get guarded but right but it doesn't you know and I try to pass that on to my kid too yeah you know I, th- I think I, I sometimes wonder what, where that has come from. And I think it is r- like realizing how flawed I truly am. Right. Sure. Just like everybody else. Right. Yeah. But I've made all the mistakes. I've been lazy. I've done this. I've done that. I've also done the other thing. I've been, I've worked hard and I've done yeah. great things, but I feel like I've done, I, 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 I'm just as flawed as the next guy. Sure. So it's like, why not explore that? You learn from that. So many people are scared. Well, to and I, that. yeah. And I, yeah. I've been really trying to be sensitive of that. Um, specifically in ministry right now. Okay. Um, you know, without getting any, into like, you know, a lot of social issues or anything, you, you can't really avoid it in certain, in certain realms. And the way that, um, my circle of church, when the, what I grew up in, mm-hmm. they said a lot of things that they stuck to, but I don't really think that they believed it sure. because it didn't play out. Right. And, um, and so, but a lot of those things come from fear Yeah, and you know, an example would be this, like, I don't, 
I have a friend right now, great friend of mine, one of my best friends, and he's like really going through this phase right now where he's just like questioning everything that he believes in faith and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. I called him and I just was like, hey man, I need to tell you something. And now we're friends, but I'm also the pastor of the church that he goes to. Mm-hmm. And so I called him um, to talk to him about what he was struggling with. So he probably was kind of wondering like, okay, what's at which angle are you gonna come from here, Seth? Mm-hmm. And I said, um, hey dude, uh, wherever you're at, like with whatever you believe about God, like I just want you to know right now, like I don't care. Right. Like, no, I literally don't care. Right. Like you could tell me you just walked away from the faith or whatever. Like, I don't care. And that doesn't mean I don't love you. It doesn't mean I don't care about you, but your decision on this matter does not affect my love for you as a brother. Right. And it does. It's it's not gonna. It's not gonna cloud the water. And the mm-hmm. re, now the reason why I believe that I can say that is because, and it's on a bunch of ifs. If the God that I believe in mm-hmm. really is like tr- really transcends like every form of existence that I know, right? Like, and what I believe tells me that He loves my friend more than I do, and has His well being in mind. Who am I to worry about? that guy. Right. So I'm not worried about my buddy in that sense. I want him to feel better. I want to, I want to be able to like try to help him figure out what he's figuring out and mm-hmm. help him mentally process. And I don't want to cloud the waters and be over biased. I just, Hey man, are you getting rest? You know, are you, you know, let's go hang out, you know, let's spend some, whatever. But I don't have to, that fear. I've really been just trying to eliminate that. Cause w- what do I have to fear? Right. Right. You know, like, that yeah. how would his decision on that? Like, and cause I know some believers that would be like, Oh, Mm-hmm. He's leaving the fa- and I'm like, and you really, you you really don't care about this guy, do you? Because right. if you really cared about this guy, like you would want to know what's going through his head. Yeah. You'd want him to feel better, you know. You'd want him to be able to not have confusion and and so in that in that same sense, that's how I'm approaching a lot of issues. You know, even there are a lot of social issues that are out there right now that I'm I am actively like just trying to pursue in my own, um, you know, mental process. Yeah. And not get sucked into like just stereotypes and, and right. biases and we believe this because this is just what we've said forever. It's like, no, like let's look it up and see if it's tangible. Right. Right. I do have some uh a couple more follow up questions on yeah. the rehab, but I'll yeah. save that for a sec because you what just it? mentioned the, the social part of it. Yeah. What do you mean? What do you what are you Well so through? like you have you have still a lot of I'm in the circles at least that I roll in, like there's still a lot of controversy between like how the church responds to like say the LGBTQI community, sure. you know, different things like that. And I've got friends in all of those circles. Right. You know, and and um, um, I don't, I don't claim to understand all of them right. perfectly, Yeah, you know, but we're friends, Sure, you know, and there's like, there's a support for one another mm-hmm. and it transcends what we're like, what I was told I was supposed to, you know, like mm-hmm. there's stupid, stupid phrases that Christians in our, my circle have used, you know, love the sinner and hate the sin, Okay, you know, and I see that as just disguised ego yeah you know you're making yourself feel better about not associating with somebody great that's awesome right you know no 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 so things like that sure. where i've been very purposeful and the reason why i think why that happens and a lot of the why i think it happened in the circles that i've walked in in christianity is just because of fear yeah. it's been because of lack of understanding you know maybe somebody didn't walk in in, in that form you know maybe somebody didn't have those types of desires or maybe didn't somebody didn't you know Mm -hmm. and and you know you weren't born with you know metabolic disorder or you weren't right right and in that in that realm instead of going hey i wonder what's going on here you know the people that i was around started saying things like it wasn't adam and steve it was adam and eve and i'm like stop 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 like those aren't the we're not pursuing 
you know, the God that we say we believe in by acting that way. So in the, does that help explain yeah. what I yeah, answer sure. your question? Those are the social yeah. issues I see, like some of them anyways. And we get caught up in it instead of actually like being passionate. Right. You know, because I think every Christian would probably want to tell, say at their core that they, they love God, right. Or yeah. the, the, the Christian little Christ, like they, they see Jesus as their Messiah. Mm-hmm. But if they really did and they actually looked at what he did, and what he taught, their lives would look drastically different too. Right. You know, right. and that's what I'm trying to figure out my own life as well. So I don't have it all figured out yeah. in any way, right. but those are the things that I look at and I really try to make sure like, let's follow this all the way through and not just make it fit our narrative. Yeah. Right. You know? right, right, no, I, and, and get back to principles, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, sorry if uh, I rabbit trail a ton. No, no, I appreciate it. Okay. It's, uh, so I was curious what you meant by that. And I think we'll let, maybe dive into yeah. that too in a bit, but the, on the rehab side of things, I guess I'm thinking about that through the lens of a parent, right? Like I have three little ones yeah. and I'm just thinking about flash forward How 25 years, four and a half, two and a half and six months. Uh, oh, you poor thing. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're busy. Right? <laughs> I tapped out at two, bro. Yeah. Yeah. I got yeah. the hemostats from my surgery on the fly shop wall. Yeah. Yeah. I tapped out after two. I was like, nope. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> wouldn't trade it for anything. Right. But we're busy. No, and I love my sure. kids. Right. I just, yeah, that yeah. was a lot, man. Right. So you got three little ones. I'm just thinking flash forward 25 years. Okay. And to see them going through that, man, the, the, the pain that you would go through as a parent, right? Yeah. Be so hard. Yeah. Right but you just only want the best for them. But I'm just curious from the lens of a parent, as well as I've talked about this before. It doesn't even make sense. I don't have, I haven't had substance abuse okay. issues. Yeah. Right. But like, I feel like I could, right. I don't even know if that That's makes sense. That's a good place like, to be. I mean, one of the things that I wish that I wish for our entire congregation or people that I talk to, and this is bias. Okay. Cause right. I went through rehab and that's what changed me. So yeah. therefore everybody needs to do it. Right. Right. It's our tendency. Um, but I, I, I see people that, their bad day is that they had a flat tire. Yeah. No, that's probably not the depth of their hurt. There's not many people that like, that's the worst no. thing that's ever happened to them. There's, there's tragedy and trial and death and pain in life and everything. But right. That's, there's different between being affected by external pain mm-hmm. and having to deal with the pain inside you that you created. Right. Like to having to slay a monster that you created. There's different, there's difference in being a victim of something and being the creator of something. Sure. You know, being the victim of a monster and being the monster. Right. Like that's different. And I think the most dangerous place that a human can possibly be is to think that they're not, that they're not the monster, that that there's no monster in them or that there's no, you know what I mean? And I, in, in in, the Bible calls that the battle between the flesh and the spirit. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Paul was a Hebrew scholar that wrote a book of Romans and he talks about that. Uh, called the book's called Romans is this letter that he wrote to the early church, and so he talks about that battle between the flesh and the spirit, and how daily he has to like continually like remind himself. He calls it rendering the old man dead, hmm. like basically saying like I put that guy back in the grave every day when I, I have to make a conscious decision. Like I'm not going to live according to the lusts of my flesh. Right. So, um, but when that some you know when you're little and like when it's just a little problem, you yeah. know it's easier to deal with. Right. You know, when I was in rehab, we called it radical amputation. Sure. It's like a kind of a morbid imagery, but right. you know, here's your choice. You get a, you get a guillotine or you get a Swiss army knife. Like, what do you want? Mm-hmm. You know? And it's just because like that, you got to just, just, you just got to sever that thing. Like you cannot just sit there and, and oh, I'll, cause I did that. Right. Well, I'll get clean. Right. What happened? Yeah. I want to bartending like because that's where you that's the job you get when you're trying to get clean right yeah like it's just silly like we kid ourselves there were so many things that i told myself that they were just lies in order to support my my addiction you know yeah so 
man, there's so many ways you can go, right? But even thinking about, uh, I guess I do want to, I really want to explore, not explore. I've just had a question on the rehab side of things. Yeah. Thinking from the perspective of a parent or the person going through it to help a parent understand Great. that person that's going through it. Right? Yeah, they don't they don't understand with their the depth of their issues. Right. They don't. Yeah. So what it, is that like? What do you, you're obviously, I mean, you and I appreciate being vulnerable and open about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Think, like, of your hey. kid, think of your kid telling you today, like, hey, dad, I want, to, I want the keys of the car. Okay, so like a funny story. My daughter, we went to a restaurant and they had one of those old school race car games with a seat you could sit in and drive. Right. And we were hanging out with a couple of ours. We had our daughter. She was like four or five years old. And we were sitting there hanging out, having dinner. And she wanted to just go play this game. Well, she wasn't bothering anybody. So I gave her a pile of quarters and said, go play this game, right? She's right. playing this game. And she, we get in the car to go. And mommy opens up the back door and she and she gets in the back seat and she she crawls up to the front seat. She, she, she yeah. sits in the driver's seat. And, and I'm like, hey, little girl, what are you doing? Right. And she's like, I'm going to drive home. And she's like, now I know how. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, no, nah, babe, you don't know how. She's yeah. like, yeah, dad, I just practiced right. for two hours. So you were talking to your friends. And I'm like, no, nah, babe, that's not how it works. And she's like, oh, that's not how you and mommy learned to drive. Right. And <laughs> we were laughing, right? Yeah. I'm like, no. But it would be like your kid telling you, hey, throw me the keys to the car. And you're just kind of like, yeah, no. Right. Like, you can't, you can't drive. And they're like, yes, I can. Right. And you're like, so do you get into an argument with your four-year-old over it? Right. Or do you, or do you go okay where do i go in my mind here and now if your four-year-old actually says to you no dad i genuinely think i can drive mm -hmm. how do you convince him that he can't yeah, i don't know but you could find a way you're right. you're a smart guy like sure. you could you could find a way to give them that lesson and, and they could be like oh i honestly man like i needed to realize that i was broken yeah i needed to realize that i wasn't that i wasn't functional yeah and when I'm holding the gun in one hand and a Bible in the other, I was able to do the math. Yeah. You know, um, and I'm not saying that, you know, wait until uh, somebody's struggling with substance abuse is going to be on the brink of suicide, but like those things happen and, and they don't know what to do either. Right. I mean, I, I just got the horrible news the other day that one of my friends, you know, relatives is going to jail for you know, up to 15 years for a, a meth charge. Yeah. And it's just a bummer. Like right. I knew, th I knew this girl from the time that she was a little kid. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, man, like, but then I'm like going back and I'm looking at opportunities and opportunities and opportunities and opportunities. And there were choices that were made and choices that were made and choices that were made. And she's a victim of her choices. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that she doesn't, that she didn't have addiction, but like, think about it this way. They're not weaning her off meth. Mm -hmm. They're not weaning her off meth in jail. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like they might give her some medicine, you know, like calm her down or whatever, but like, the, the jail's not a treatment program. No. You right. know, people can, the only two substances that I know of that you can actually be, your life is threatened from, from cold turkeys, alcohol and benzos. Okay. You know, like uh, those two drugs, if you're addicted bad enough to those substances and you try to cold turkey, you can die. Yeah. Those are the only two, heroin, right. coke, weed, opiates, all that stuff. Like you can cold turkey, mm -hmm. you know, and, and now it becomes a, now it's like self-discipline. Sure. You know, now it's how do I do this and, and how do I go through this? Like, so there are a lot of things that are still on the table for addicts, but yeah. most of the time I talked to a guy the other day, I was ready to help him out. I was ready to, we were, we, we, we have, we have, um, a benevolence funded our church. We were ready to help this guy get into a treatment program, but he mm -hmm. wouldn't go because he's got a dog and he won't sure. get a dog, you know? Right. And it's like, okay, somebody's going to tell me. I'm sure there's somebody that might listen to this. It'd be like, oh, you can't ask. I got to get rid of his dog. I'm like, look, it was either his addiction or his dog. Right. If he kept his dog, he's going to keep his addiction. If he gets rid of his dog and goes into treatment, he might be a better owner to that dog someday. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Whatever. 
but those are the things that like keep people from getting clean. And I'm just like, you, there's, there's a fracture there. Like yeah. you don't, you've destroyed the relations with your, all your entire family. Right. And this dog that's going to be non-existent in another five years is keeping you from, from getting those, all those relationships back with your family. Right. And every day your addiction gets worse. Yeah. It's not like, you know, so those are the types of things. So people that have relatives or loved ones, or if you're thinking about those things, like just, you need to get in there, you need to get in their head and, yeah. And, and actually, and actually walk with them. One of the things that I think that I, I see a lot as a pastor is a lot of relatives. They they want to call somebody and they want somebody else to fix their problem. Mm-hmm. It's your kid, right? Have the hard conversation. It's your right? kid. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you, maybe there's some ownership there that they that, that they got to take too. And right. I don't. I'm not trying to be a punk, but like mm-hmm. that's just that's just true. Like right. there will be flaws that my child has because of me. Sure, there will be. Right. <laughs> you know, and I'm not looking forward to learning what they are, and I'm trying to avoid as many of them as I can. But that's gonna happen. Yeah. But what's your? How did your like mind and your being and your body change through that process? Because you were at a point where you didn't even know you needed help. Yeah. Uh, um. I. Well, I did once I realized I was going to take my life. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty like, oh, yeah, this is a problem. Right. So uh, get, so I get into rehab. First day that I'm there, they search me. They do the intake, right? And they're going through all my clothes. Um, and they take a hoodie out that I had, and I bought it down in Chicago somewhere. It was a Silver Star Casting Company hoodie. And you might not know that company, but you oh. recognize the logo is the two, like, mud flap chicks. Okay, sure. You know, yeah, like, yeah. You, like in the in the, in the the pose, like the model pose on mm-hmm. the mud flaps, right? And the, it's a Christian rehab facility. And so this sweatshirt had these two emblems on it. And he's like, hey, you can't have this here. And I'm like, what do you mean you can't? I can't have this here. It's like my hoodie. And he's like, it's got inappropriate, you know, images on it. And you can't have that at this. I'm like, so what are you going to do? You're going to store it for me and give it to me when I leave? He goes, no, we're going to burn it. Right. And I was like, no, you're not. Like, I I paid X amount, right? Yeah. Dude, you realize what just happened? I'm checking myself into rehab because I can't function as a human being without abusing substances. And I'm ready to throw hands with this guy because he's going to burn my hoodie. Right. If I was really concerned about my loved ones and about my life and all these things. So, so, so I, I went with, I fought with him on it and I go, hmm. Hey bro. I was like, if this is some awesome facility and like good things happen here and God's just radically going to change my life and it's going to be this miracle and I'm going to go to church again and it's going to be this awesome thing. Mm-hmm. How come you won't just put it in my stuff? And when God changes my heart, you let me burn it. Right. If you're so convinced that this is the right like I thought I was just like, yeah. Right. And he takes that shirt and he folds it back up and he puts it back in my suitcase. He goes, here you go, brother. There's a door. Right. And I was like, what? And he's like, there's the door. And I immediately went back to the last conversation that I had with anybody that mattered, which was God, like, you know, days earlier about how, you know, and here I was drawing the line again. Yeah. I was drawing the line. Right. And I was like, wait a second. He's like, bro, we didn't call you. You called us. Like you, I'll tell you right now, don't check into this program. If that's the attitude you're going to have. Right. He's like, you got pride issues. You got to deal with, you think you got it all together. I'm like, dude, he's like, dude, you're strung out. Right. He's like, why are you coming in here arguing with me over a hoodie? If I tell you it's inappropriate, it's inappropriate. You know, I was yeah. like, burn it, man. He yeah. goes, no, I'll put it in your stuff. And let you yeah. <laughs> like, literally dude, he folded it up. I don't even know what happened to that hoodie yeah. anyways. Uh, but, but that, so like day one, uh, you know, I had to go through what the, the facility called word fast. Okay. So like you think of fasting. Yeah. Okay. This is just not talking. Mm-hmm. So there were hours of the day from 7 a.m. or 7 p.m. until 5 a.m. You weren't allowed to talk. Hmm. 
to anybody. You lived in a bunkhouse with 25 other guys. If you got caught talking, you got disciplined, which was you got handed a shovel and a pickaxe at 9 o'clock, and you had to go out in the dark and, and chip on that hill until midnight. Yeah. And then you got to come back in, you could go to bed for five hours and wake up and, and do your work for the whole next day. Right. It wasn't like book classes and movies and therapy lessons. It was like we were getting hired out into the town to do like community service projects. Right. Working. Yeah. You know, in, in, in Tennessee, it was, it was awesome. I love Tennessee. If I never lived in the UP, I would live there. Hmm. It was great. Anyway, so the, the, the whole rehab process was literally breaking my mind down and it wasn't intentional like like there were a lot of things that happened in the program that were just dysfunctional but it was all about my outlook so like there were guys that came in that they had like this this order of staff members where they had like overseers and then like you know so the overseer, there's like work crew leader, a crew leader and an overseer were two different people. Overseer was over, over the crew leader. Crew leader was like, worked with the guys, but like kind of oversaw the project. Well, mm-hmm. what happened is these were all drug addicts that were just further along in the program than we were. Right. So there wasn't like these were guys with a clean record. And every once in a while, you'd get a guy that wound up as a crew leader that was just a bonehead. Or you'd get a guy that was an overseer that was just crooked, right? Sure. And so they'd have, they'd have got us moving this big pile of this hill, okay? And the ch- chipping rocks and wheelbarrowing it over here. And one day they're like, hey, we don't want you to put it over there. We want you to put it over there now, you know? So so, you know, there's like five guys in the group and in, in this phase of the program and that are just like, because they care. Right. I didn't care. Right. You know, I didn't care because I wasn't on drugs. Yeah. I'd pick on, I'd still be picking on that hill if I thought I needed to. Right. You know? And, and like, so in that, in that regard, uh, these guys would, this is stupid. How's this program going to help me get clean? Right. Mm. And they bounce. And then a week later we'd found out they OD'd or yeah. something crazy, you know? And, uh, and in that in that process, I just put, I just, just like, I don't care because yeah. I came to the end of myself, man. Like I came to, I took everything I threw knew, thought I knew about God. I threw it out the window and I just started over. Yeah. You do know? you, do you think, why did you have that attitude and these other guys didn't? Is it because you came to a lower point or does I, it speak to like some childhood lessons you learned or something? Nah, like that? I or? think that, I think that, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know if, I mean, I, I'm not sure why that is. I ask myself that question sometimes. Because I've run into other people that were the same way. Right. I have a friend of mine, best friend of mine, dude. He's eight years sober, and he doesn't have like a huge record or anything. He did get it. He did get. I think it was. He might have got two DUIs, but like, one day he just woke up and he was just like, "This is garbage. I'm not doing this anymore." Hmm. And it was in jail where he woke up and he had that, but he hasn't touched a drink since. Sure. He's been around guys that drink. It's not like he's living in a bubble. Right. You know. And and he just said, "I will never go." He saw his mom cry when he was in court huh. and he never drank again. Right. You know what I mean? Like some guys are like, man, I wish that's how it was for wish how That's how it would have been for me. Right. I saw my mom cry when I went into rehab and I was like 90 pounds soaking wet. Cause I was strung on crack. Like, you know, that was the thing. Yeah. But when I got, when, when I got there and I started to reef and, and don't get me wrong, man, it was hard. Yeah. Like there were internal struggles that I would go through like hard. I sat, I took journals. I have, I have 18 months worth of journals every single day. Like I wrote like four pages a day. Yeah. And I would write, and I was, it was just my prayers to God. So they would say, God, today sucks. <laughs> you know, yeah. this is what's going on. This guy did this. I did that. This is what happened. I'm sick of this place. Get me out of here. Yeah. You know, and then I would have <clears throat> some stuff I was reading in the Bible, and I'd write down questions or thoughts or whatever, and just kind of put my thoughts out and my prayers out. Mm-hmm. But then I was able to go back and look, and I've gone back through those notebooks, and I've looked, and I've read, and I'm like, man, I was just I was working out everything. Yeah. Like one of the things that happened, right, is the church that we went to, as this for the program, as a faith based program, went to this church, and they had a church band that played music for their church, right? Like most modern churches would, Mm -hmm. and they were horrible. Hmm. And I had come out of professional music production, bro. Like, 
So you want to talk about like the the lady's voice was like high and squeaky and and she bounced up and down on the thing and the guy that played the drums was too fast and the guy on the bass was too worried about whatever and and, and I could hear all of these like they were playing songs wrong and they just made stuff up and I was just like this is the most disorganized excuse for a church band like none of these people should be allowed to touch instruments right. you know like right. and i and i remember like i couldn't sing these songs man it just it was like fingernails on a chalkboard and i hated it and mm. i felt like i was getting punched in the gut like every time i had to hear the, another right. song <laughs> and every church service i went to three a week being in this program there was like a half an hour of music before and there was like five minutes of music at the end and i was yeah. just forced to sit there and i was i would just i would just write and I was just like, I was, I'm just like, God, what's wrong with me? Right. Why am I like this? Huh. Why can't, why, why am I so evil? Why am I, why am I so judgmental? Yeah. Why am I judging these people like this? Like why they're taking time out of their night to come and like minister to me mm -hmm. in a rehab. Hmm. Like why, wh what is in me that thinks that I am better than them? Like who? Wait, what is going on? And I knew it was wrong, but it still was painful. Yeah, it's so weird. I went through that for eighteen months, and I've visited that church since I've been through rehab. And some of the same worship band is still in that church. Right. And I'm going to tell you something, man. It soothes my soul. Huh. It's it is like like the the musician side of me is blind. Yeah, it doesn't even exist anymore. I'm Great. just like. I this because you don't want to know why because I look back, and that's what was part of my healing. Yeah. I it had to it had to break it. I had to re I had to be shown all of the areas of my life where I sucked. Right, and that was one of them. Yeah, and and at any given moment I could have decided to quit, but I didn't because I remember that God told me, "Hey, don't draw the line. Don't draw the line. Keep yeah. going." Right, and every time I pushed through a little bit better, a little bit more, things would get better. Yeah, like every time I push through, bro, I I, I get paid to take people fishing. Right. Yeah, and I, most of the guys that I guide, they don't care if we catch fish. Yeah, they want somebody to hang out with and fish with, and show them a cool trick on a river, or show them a new spot, and tip them a good amount of money, and take yeah. them out for dinner with his family. And I do those, you know, that's out of my shop in Iron River, you know, right? Uh, YouTube channel, you know, that I run. That I'm going actually. Marquette is uh, the University of Marquette is doing some public thing tomorrow. I'm going to be in Marquette speaking on. Um, digital creators on YouTube because huh. we get all these people that watch our YouTube videos and we get pulled into like film fest and stuff like that. And it's right. just something that film, I just got, I was like, Hey, I want to market my business. Yeah. I did music production. Maybe you could do film production. Oh, right. drop a bunch of money on cameras. Sweet. I go oh, editing. It's almost the same. Here we go. And I'm pumping out YouTube videos and yeah. Orvis is putting them on their website, you know, or whatever. Right. And it's just fun. Like it's super cool. But the, it, uh, can I, yeah. I want to ask you yeah, about the, ahead, uh, Writing the pages. Have you read The Artist's Way? Are you familiar with that book? No. I don't remember who recommended it to me, but it's a thing about, I, I'm a chapter in. I okay. just started it. But anyways, part of their process is there's basically two premises. One is, or the premise is that uh, creativity comes from a higher power, whether okay. that's God or uh, the, sure. the, the muse, whatever yeah. it is, right? And every single morning you have to write three pages and it's just a brain dump just like what you were talking wow. about basically right yeah uh and then also it is a weekly that was one of the menti, ment most healthy times of my life mentally yeah when i was doing that uh and then also i got i literally just started reading this book and i'm a chapter into it i don't even know if i'll do it i think i will i wrote pages this morning like literally day one cool uh anyways uh, once a week you should take an artist date i don't even know what that is okay. it's some yeah, alone so time yeah you want to go out and get creative right you might but, bring a camera you might not you yeah. might 
and yeah. it's not no it's not even a creativity oh, okay. thing no no it's, i think it's like literally not doing art but by yourself going for a hike going for a walk oh going okay stones, so like an just like a straight r and r like right yeah and essentially chill. the 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 pages are a brain dump and then the artist walk is like you've already removed the brain side of you the part that's oh. worried about bills and all this kind of stuff and okay. that's where creativity comes from I don't know. I got huh. just started reading. It. I'm just curious for you. You were writing those pages. Did you find like when you're breaking down this hillside, you're getting like inspired by things? And yeah. You're, you're... So uh, I I believe that it was a symbol that God allowed me to have in my life that that yard okay. through the whole process, man. Um, I thought, you know, I thought that, you know, okay, <clears throat> once I level this and this is all level and I get all the big rock chunks out of here and we have this level, that will be like symbolic of the work in my head and in my heart are mm-hmm. done. Right. And then we like got that done yeah and then they were like okay now we need to put down dirt yeah and i was like oh and what happened was is the product because they wanted a lawn so now what happened is when you go from like straight slate you know how hard it is to grow grass on slate uh, no I never it's extremely that. difficult right. it took years okay and what happened was is we dumped all this dirt down and then you put all your seed down and you put your straw over the top of it you do all this stuff mm-hmm. and it starts coming up and it looks like it's thinking you know <laughs> it just looks horrible like it's just blotchy and it's right. just dumb and uh and so i'm thinking you know okay well now we're gonna put dirt down and then we'll be you know and then it's like nope now you gotta put the seed down right and like oh now i gotta water this and now i have to like you know tend to it and look at the spots that need work and well why does that need work oh there's a divot gotta go fill it in and i realized before i left that program that lawn is never gonna be done yeah the work, in, <laughs> the work in me is never going to be done. Right. It's just fine tuning. Now, my faith teaches me that someday it will be. You know, there will be a day that, you know, I, I see Jesus in heaven and, you know, right. And then there's not going to be any more pain and sorrow and death and all that kind of stuff. But like, uh, that was for me on this side going, yeah. oh, okay, I, I come into it thinking, okay, once I got this level, it's good. And it's like, nope, dirt and seed. Hmm. And then it's like, okay, the seed's done. And then it's like, oh no, we got to wait for it to grow. Cause it's not just going to grow imperfect. Right. And then like, so that was like a reminder to me. Yeah, man. Like, of like, Hey, and you know, I don't know what's crazy. Over a hundred guys came in and went into that program while I was there. So the guys that I was like throwing seeds with mm-hmm. were different than the guys that I was taking rocks in a wheelbarrow with. Right. Cause those guys bounced. Yeah. Like I, there were like three guys that I went through that program with out of over a hundred and probably 50 guys that came into that program that went through that entire program. Yeah. And they're best friends of mine. Right. Yeah, dude. One of them named one of his kids after me, which oh, yeah. I think is just like kind of crazy. Like, I, you know, but like, yeah, he called me one day to tell me he named his kid Seth. And I was like, what we went through, we went through treatment together. Yeah. And he's just like best friends. I mean, how do you not become right? Yeah. At a certain point? I'm telling you, man, it's yeah. And it's rehab's not fun. Like you think that, you know, going to where you don't like your coworkers. Imagine being, imagine literally living in a bunkhouse. We had an outhouse, dude. I didn't, we washed our clothes out of a five gallon pail. Right. In January. Right. You know, like it wasn't. You know, and you're and you're living in a room that you got to stoke the wood stove with 25 other dudes, all between like 18 and 75. That sometime in the last two months, they were completely strung out living mm-hmm. on the street, most of them. Right. And you're like living in the foothills of the Smoky Mountains with a bunch of these dudes in a room that's like maybe four times the size of this one that we're in. Yeah. 25 guys, man, bunk beds. Right. No room to walk, and that was like every day. Yeah. You know, and it was like boot camp. You know, <clears throat> yeah. I watched I watched one dude take an eight year prison sentence over eight months in the program we were in. Right. Yeah. The it's crazy. So I'm gonna make a long circle here. Go ahead. Uh, but first, before I do, I'd ask you: Have you read A River Runs Through It? Yeah. I feel like you had to have, right? Yeah. Obviously, with your background. Yeah. So I read that book. I've always been a big reader, right? Yeah. I've taken a break during college years, whatever else. But I read that book and it was unbelievable. Yeah. I, did you like it? What'd yeah, you think I did. I I actually liked. Uh, he wrote another book that that was the. Um, 
called Home Waters. Okay. That's another one that's really good. That. The same author. But like, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. I, I loved it. And and it was onto something. I mean, yeah. that, that, that movie didn't go off just because it had Brad Pitt in it. You know what I mean? That right. there was a good story. Yeah. It was a good story. It was a successful story before it was ever a movie. And, and, and I think, it, yeah, it, it highlights a lot of a lot of the similar yeah. types of things, different outcomes right. and things. But I, you know, and I think that's part of what draws me to, you know, fly fishing and stuff too, right. is not the story of river runs through it, but the, what, what the river brings, Yeah, you know, there's a connection and there's a deeper connection. And, right. you know, the biggest, the biggest thing for me when I consider alternatives to what I believe, like say atheism or mm-hmm. something like that, I, I, I feel like everything's too connected right. to not, to not believe that it, that there isn't a higher power. Like I, I really, it's just my own, it's my own logic and somebody can tell me I'm flawed, whatever, that's fine. Right. Um, but I just, I think it's too connected. Yeah. So the crazy long circle I'm going to draw. Yeah. So I read that book and it inspired me. Like I never even thought about writing, but I, now I want to write. Okay. Yeah. That book was so unbelievable, but it fits a lot of what I've always thought about and, and think about. I'm not a big fly fisherman. I don't think I've ever fly fish. I've stream fish. My brothers are into it, whatever else. Yeah. I enjoy it. You don't need to be to appreciate that book. No. Right. But, so or to fly fish for that matter sure i get people that come on trips that just being out there right that's it. so this long circle is a there's somewhat similarities i mean the da- the guy's dad in the book was a preacher yeah, i know right? right like your dad was yeah. same deal we yeah. got one brother who did fairly well in school and the other brother that went down a darker path yep. right like you yep. said similar or different outcomes but yeah. still yeah. kind of a life with that fishing that whole bit right but also that inspired me to think about writing, which it inspired like a bunch of, I'd say borderline inspired this podcast okay. in a weird way yeah. right? to like push yourself and get yourself out there. Yeah. Not, not from like a marketing thing, but I'm saying like, just challenge yourself yeah. and, and, and explore creativity or whatever it is that eventually led to somehow the artist way. I can't remember who the heck did I hear it on a podcast or somebody recommended it, but how weird that now I just started reading that book, wrote the pages this morning and we're talking today Yeah, and it's all interconnected. Oh, between cool, the, I yeah. love when that stuff happens. You know, right. you never know what, what it, you just keep, you know, we call them open doors, man. You just right. walk through it and see what happens. But you and I would have never talked in our, we would have never met, never talked, never spoken our whole lives. Yeah. If, potentially if I hadn't read, read a river runs through it. Wow. You could say it, yeah, right? That's funny. I mean, so, so is that what happened then? You just got out? Were you just because I know, like, I think did you reach out to me through Instagram originally? I think so. I can't remember. Yeah. And was so. that so? You just found that account? Just yeah, local, I don't remember like, if you were on my suggested or okay. my explore. Or yeah, I don't yeah. remember how I found you. Cool. But I've been bugging you enough. I know you, and, and and believe yeah. me, that was not offensive. Like, I'm glad that you stayed on me because I yeah. I mean to do these things. It's just some guys when I tell them I pastor a church, I have two young children and I run a business. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, you probably suck at all those things. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and some days I feel like it. Some yeah. days I totally feel like I do. No, no. But uh, at the same time, when I, when I'm doing all these different things, I'm like, it sometimes it's just, I tell myself, yep, I'm going to do that. Yep. I'm going to do that. Yep, I'm yeah. do that. And if the opportunity is still there, eventually it happens. Right. This is one of them. No, that's how I look at it. I'm super persistent. I'm in sales. I've been in sales Love for a it. long time, but it's just, to me, I'm the same way. I'm super busy. I have a hard time fitting something in. And if somebody is like, hey, just checking in. And even if they're like, don't even worry about responding, but I'm, I yeah. want to make this happen. Yeah. That's how I look at it. So I just re- reciprocate cool. it, right? So Sweet. I appreciate that this can work out because it's fun, fun, enjoyable, learning. I don't know how you say it, but it's just unbelievable to sit down and have this chat, yeah. right? And there's something about it's almost, healthy. yeah, healthy for sure. But there's something about this setting. Maybe it's because the intentionality of it, right? Sure. Like if we cross paths, we're going to be looking at our uh, watches saying, Hey man, I got to run or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But you're sitting here being like, no, let's explore it. Let's chat about yep. it. You get to a deeper level, even though there's like an element of the microphones that take away from it. Maybe I feel like they're gone in like two minutes. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Um, 
Oh yeah, for sure. I've done enough of this. Okay. I got another, I think I got one of these in my car right now. Yeah. <laughs> but even for the people who haven't, yeah. it feels like it's gone so quick. Yeah. Right? But there's something about the whole process. But anyways, I just thought that was crazy how connected these things are essentially, right? Yeah. Back to you and your story. And it's funny, man. There's a lot of things that happen where I'm just like, wait, are you serious? Like you've, you know, I'm on the, I got a guy that I took in as a, uh, he guides for out of our shop and he runs a company called stream stalker flies. He ties predator flies. So these are like, you know, eight to 18 inch flies that guys use for fly fishing, but right. they're for predator fish. So like, you know, barracuda or sharks or, you know, tarpon or muskies or pike or whatever, right? And he's mm. in probably, I would, I would speculate that he's probably in like the top 10 uh, fly tires for predator flies in the world. Mm. There's not a lot of them. It's a niche, but like he's, he's in the top 10 easily, if not top five. And he ties 12 to 1500 of these predator flies out of my shop a year, right? Mm. And, and it's, it's kind of cool. Um, but we're on Isle Royal last summer. So getting to Isle Royal is not easy. I mean, right. If you live in Houghton, it's easy. Sure. But if you don't live in Houghton, even if you live in Iron River, it's not easy. Like right. it's a it's a full day just to get there, and if you're going to do anything. So when you do get there, there's limited people that are there. All this stuff. We did a nine day backcountry trip. We came into Rock Harbor at one point during our trip, and while we're walking into Rock Harbor, the day that we're walking in there, we see this guy get out with a fly rod out of this boat, and we're like. You know, that's kind of special. That's like if you live in California and you see somebody with a UP sticker on the yeah, car. You know right, what I mean? Right. So we see this guy with a fly rod, and I'm like, hey, man, you catch any fish? Mm-hmm. And uh, and he's like, no, nah, man, I wasn't able to. I'm like, well, you know, we're up here slamming coasters, man. Like, what are, you, what are you using? And he opened up his fly box, and they were all Dylan's flies. Unreal. And Dylan goes, Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> because Dylan hand ties all his orders, right? and he's just on it. Like He's like, yeah. He's like, hey, I'm Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> I was tied it, all those. Was this guy's mind blown? We were, I didn't even, I was just like, you gotta be kidding me. Right. This is crazy. So yeah. that kind of stuff happens. I, I, dude, I had a guy, I had a guy come into my fly shop the other day. Um, and first generation Polish immigrant, he's in his sixties, moved here from Poland, started a private security company. Apparently, mm-hmm. according to him, it was like one of the biggest private security companies in the Midwest. He mm-hmm. took it down to Florida, just sold it, retired, built an off grid mansion up in the UP here. Mm-hmm. Dude was like, you know, running armored cars and firearms and stuff for celebrities and politicians. And he shows up at my fly shop like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And he's like, Hey man. And he's got this Polish accent, you know, you don't know me. And he's right. talking he's like, but he's like, I, I want to ask you a personal question. You seem like somebody I can talk to about these things. He goes, uh, there's something different about you. Huh. He goes, I've wined and dined politicians. I've and celebrities I've like done there. I've never met anybody like you before. What do you believe about God? Huh. Literally how he opens the conversation. And I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> take a number, man. <laughs> Like, I don't know. Yeah. I have like, this is all, this is just, I'm just walking day by day and, and yeah. just, you know, just trying to, you know, be, be as selfless as I can. And, and, and it doesn't always happen, man. I'm still a selfish person and everything, but it's just, uh, being aware of it. And then like being able to be involved in ministry and seeing a lot of different sides, also having the healthy outlet to be able to escape and be in the outdoors in the UP. Right. Would, Come on. Right. You know? When I, I, you know, I when I got pictures of my three-year-old daughter and I camping up down on the shoreline below the Huron Islands, and the Northern Lights are taking up the entire sky, mm-hmm. and I got that memory with my five-year-old last year on her birthday, man, like that right. kind of stuff. Like, I'll go grind it out, you know what I mean, right. if I have to, you know, in that regard, and to try to teach those kinds of things to my kid. You know, we're seeing those things happen in our school. Our te- their teachers are like, "What do you tell your kid?" 
Like I send her to school every day and I tell her, make sure you, you know, be nice to everybody, especially the ones that aren't nice to you. Mm-hmm. Like you, I want to put a target on the kid that isn't nice. Right. And we're going to go win him over. Yeah. Not so that he'll believe what we believe or so that he'll come to my church or whatever, but so that like he can be healthier. Yeah. You know, and so that he can like operate in his strengths instead of his weaknesses. Right. And the teachers are coming back being like, man, like that kid listens to me now. Mm-hmm. Like he never used to listen to me. Right. Never. So like, th- and those are the things that like I actively see taking place in my life. Doesn't come easy. Yeah. Know, my wife and I went through one of the hardest weeks of our marriage last week, bro. Sure. You know, we've miscarried twice. Oh, sure. You know, she's, we've, we've been walking through postpartum situations and you know, it's, it's cost us money, you know, on the business side. So I have to scale back, you know, my work, you know, and I have to contract stuff out, you know, to the tune of like 20 grand in a year, just because I had to stay home and make sure that like she was healthy and do this. And it's like, I have to stop telling myself I had to stay home. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. I remind myself that this is a vow that I made to this person and I need to uphold my end of the the vow. Right. You know, and there are points when like, we, you know, it works both ways where it's like, okay, we got to walk through this. But like, it's not easy. It doesn't mean that everything's easy, mm-hmm. you know, and now we're walking through that and we're meeting with some friends and getting things out and communicating and, and we're doing it and it's been good and it's been healthy. It feels like we're kind of starting over and it's been great. Yeah. Um. You know, we're interested in each other again. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like healthy in our marriage and stuff. And, you know, talking about it on a podcast, it's like, wait, you duck. Like, we're just people, man. Mm-hmm. What are we going to hide? Right. Like, you'd know I'm lying if I told you I had a perfect marriage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Anybody who says that is lying. Right. Yeah, so sure. why are, and I think that, you know, it's that model that we also like to emulate for just ministry stuff. It's like, hey, I'm not faking it here. Right. And I have no desire to do this if it's not real. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to stand up and give a sermon every Sunday if it's a bunch of bull crap. Like, right. <laughs> who wants to do that? Yeah. I talk weird. Even that connects back to a river runs through it because I talk about that a lot. I said, Hey, I'm not scared to talk about anything. Right. Yeah. Sometimes the scariest thing to talk about these things with is your spouse, is your family member. It doesn't make sense. Right. But sometimes it is like a a brother or sister. And and there's obvious things you want to protect, you know, you want to respect and kind of protect the, the, the um, sanctity of just what's between you two. And I'm a pastor and we live in a fishbowl. Yeah. So, I probably have a higher tolerance for that right. than other people. Like my house, like I live above that other commercial contrast coffee location. And I just, every day we come downstairs, we're in public, I'm yeah. in a fly shop, whatever. Right. You know, and we're getting some, we're looking at a house now and, and it'd be cool to just get out of the fishbowl for a little bit, but mm-hmm. you know, maybe put some blinders up on it at least. Right. <laughs> you right. know, but yeah, that's what, that's what we're in right now. And I, I believe that, I believe that that's part of, what's also kept me clean, man. Hmm. Like on a, I do jail ministry. So I go to the jail in Iron County every Thursday night that mm-hmm. me and a, and a friend of mine, and we go in and talk about, talk to the guys. And sometimes it's a Bible study, mm-hmm. but other times it's just like, Hey, like, what do you guys want to talk about? What's going on? And right. this last week we were scheduled to go through this chapter in, in first John chapter two. And I got there and, and I could tell like, ah, we were just doing what we were normally doing. And I was like, I stopped and I was like, Hey guys, uh, we can do this. But you guys literally have time. You can read this. Right. Uh, what do you What are you guys thinking about? Like when you get out, like what do you see is like the like what do you What's the monster you're facing when you get out of here? Right. You know. And they were like every single one of them, without looking at each other, looked right at me, and at the same time they said drugs. Huh. Eight dudes. 
Right. I popped the question on him. I didn't tell him I was going to ask him that. And they all answered the same way. We don't, we don't know what we're going to do when we get out here and how we're going to staff drugs. Right. And immediately I'm like, huh, okay. Right. All right. So like I can close the book for a second. Mm-hmm. I can say, right, this is what I've learned. But then I can also open the book back up and I can go into say like Psalm one, you know, where it talks about like, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly that sat, stands in the path of the sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful. Right. And it literally talks about like, Hey, be careful about who your company is. Right. Okay. There's number one. Right. And then it doesn't just talk about re- like eliminating one thing and then not doing it. But it also talks about like, no, you need to be like the one that you need to be like the tree that is planted by the rivers of water bearing fruit. It's, bearing its fruit in season right mm-hmm. and so it's like it's not just a removal of a bunch of stuff and now you're sitting there twiddling your thumbs it's a replacement of something that's unhealthy with something that is healthy sure um and and we can all find what those things are for each of us but but when i uh when i started talking about honesty and vulnerability bro i'm vulnerable and i will talk about these things you right. want to know why because it's what keeps me off drugs yeah because I know that, like, when I'm out there abusing drugs, I'm going to have to be honest about it. And I don't just want to have to do that. Yeah. You know, and I'm not, and I don't want to lie about it either. Right. You know, so, you know, there's various parts of that subject you keep hitting on of vulnerability mm-hmm. and, like, openness and transparency that I see as a lifeline. Mm-hmm. Imagine what it would look like, bro, if everybody was honest. Right. <sighs> I've, yeah. You sure. know, but like, you just wouldn't, it would eliminate fear. Right. But I think yeah. there it's, you're saying it's a lifeline for the drug side of things, but I think for it's a lifeline anyways. for everybody. Yeah. And, and you, you know, know what? It probably is. It, yeah. it probably is. I don't yeah. want to take yeah. away from that. No, no, no. I'm just saying that there's value there for everybody. I yes. think. Right. Yes. Cause I, I feel it. Right? Well, and that's what I was trying to say earlier. Like when the, the things that like I've come to conclusions on based on the treatment that I went through when it comes to like ministering to people that are in our church, like when I'm giving sermons and stuff like right. that, because sometimes when I'm talking about brokenness, I can't help but wonder sometimes like, have, like brokenness is different for each person. You know, the question, did they hit rock bottom yet? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and it's different for everybody. It's a relative term to a certain point, but at the same time, like I just, we also, this is, and this, I don't want to turn this conversation too hard, but like, this is why we have the problems today that we have Mm -hmm. because we're given to comfort and vulnerability and and honesty and transparency is not comfortable. No. Right. And so that it's diametrically opposed to our way of living. You know, we have to fight for our rights and we have to like do all these, you know, things that like to be able to stay comfortable you know and like without being political i could talk about political issues you know Mm -hmm. like like say you know bringing in refugees okay like some people are gonna say we have to maintain what we have Mm -hmm. and other people are like we have to share what we have right right and that's the argument and they see different things as threats at those opposing things but like what are we what are we protecting yeah comfort we're protecting comfort. Sure. Like we're yeah. protecting and, and you can and you can and you can give the specific list. Well, we're protecting somebody will say jobs or we're protecting this or protecting that. But like it all comes back to how does this affect me? And I'm gonna make my decision on any given situation based on how comfortable it makes me. Yeah. And that comes down to ego. It comes down to, you know, you're and you're not willing to walk through those difficult situations. So I think that's where sometimes I will be like I do kind of I'm like, hey, when somebody's talking about being vulnerable and broke and mm-hmm. Are they, do they actually know what that means? Sure. Cause sometimes I think we have a perceived 
humility or perceived brokenness or like we give to charity and so therefore like we're exempt right from having to be like broken right but it's like no this is actually a place that you come to in your heart and in your mind and like in an, an, an identity yeah you know that you realize like hey i don't have it all together right and so i'm going to be open and i'm going to be vulnerable and i'm going to be honest and it is a lifeline for everyone i would absolutely agree mm-hmm you know, you want to talk about stuff you want to, you know, mention things and say that like people talk about like even this dude, I remember where I was when my wife, she's on her cell phone. We're married five years. She's on her cell phone. And she's part of this mom's group on Facebook. And she's like, Hey, she's like this guy, this mom's on here. And she's really bummed out because she found a bunch of pornography on her husband's computer. Hmm. She's like, that's not something you struggle with. Is it right? I was a 35 year old man, bro. Right. Like, what am I going to tell her? Yeah. I have an opportunity. I'm either going to lie to my wife or I'm going to be honest. And you know what honesty did? It helped me walk through my issues. Right. There was light that was brought in to a dark place in my heart and it was exposed. Yeah. And I'm able to deal with it. Yeah. That's hard, eh? I, yeah, but no. I, my tattoo hurt today. I went sure. and got that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't, what is it? what's more valuable? Mm-hmm you know, my, my lust or my relationship with my wife. Right. And yeah. Is that an oversimplification? Uh, no, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think it is, man. Cause those things are true. Right. Those are just true things. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not simplifying anything. It's a difficult, I'm not saying it's, it's a simple solution. It was very hard, Right. but you know what? All that brokenness and all that's like, if I want to go through all that crap, I mean, dude, I had a pro. I you can edit all this out if this gets to be too much, yeah. but I'll tell you right now. Yeah. I'm in rehab, right? Right. And I'm I'm, t- I'm trying to deal with myself. I was going to put a bullet in my brains before I went into rehab. And I'm in rehab. And this guy gives a message on, like, you know, living in the light and being, like, you know, just open and broken and transparent and real so you can deal with these issues. And after that deal, I raised my hand in a room of 25 guys. And I said, hey, guys, I want some prayer. And they were like, why? What's up? And I said, I'm dealing with lust, man. I masturbated, like, you know, yesterday. And there's this sexual immorality aspect of my life that I just don't like it's lustful and it's just like it's just ugh. Like, right. i don't want it and if i'm gonna if i'm gonna come in here after having a gun in my mouth right because of my drug addiction i'm gonna like it's like telling your mechanic hey you got the hood open you want or you got the hood up you want to like make sure everything's fixed in there while you're in there mm-hmm. that was my goal i sure. became the laughing stock of the guys that were in rehab at that time most of them dipped and bailed some of them got locked back up some of them went other treatment programs i didn't right i finished the program right you know even the pastor of the facility like he was like uh, 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 and I knew what that meant. Oh, you must struggle with porn too. Right. You know what I mean? And he didn't have a solution for it. Right. You know, and there's nothing wrong about that. There's a bunch of people in that situation. He's not less of a person for it, but he would be more of a person for it if he would talk about it. Mm Mm-hmm. For sure. You know, and that would help us find solutions. And then we got nothing to hide. And now I'm not responding to you out of fear because you voted for somebody I don't like. Right. (laughs) You know, like you can just, everything gets swept away. And, and, the hard part for me to hear, I want to be restrained in, in, in here for you because I don't want to go off. But like that's to me, that's why I'm a pastor, man. Right. That's, that's essentially to me in my heart. That's the meaning of the gospel. Like Jesus came and all he needs us to do is realize that we're all messed up. Right. And to be honest about it and and to just keep rolling. You know what I mean? Yeah. And to accept what he gave us. So right. hopefully that doesn't. Doesn't trigger me at all. Yeah, right. No, 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 cool. Good. And, I, yeah. and I also would follow that up with for those anybody listening that has you know, like major, major apprehension or very, very bad experience with anything related to church. I empathize. Yeah. I've, I was, I've seen some very, very horrible things happen. I've been hurt deeply in the church. You know, my dad was a pastor and he was knocking me around at home. Right. You know, like it wasn't cool. Right. And I had a lot of things happen. I have more reasons to not be a 
faster than to be one at this point. Sure. In, if in in a certain lens, if you're keeping score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. Um. But anyway, so yeah. I don't know where you want to reel this back to, but <laughs> no, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. But no, I appreciate it. There, there is a the, the you talk about comfort, right? And yeah. there's a comfort part of me that happened on the podcast I just did before this the other day, where they're same deal talking about their struggles with porn. Oh, uh, really? Right. Absolutely. The, oh, wow. The, that's so encouraging be, to know that I'm not like a, like just. Yeah, for yeah, now. it'll be two in a row. So, and uh, wow, anyways, uh, <laughs> they're gonna flag your podcast. <laughs> right, right. So, where I'm going with that is, there's a part of me that's like, I know, like uh, mothers and children listen to this, right? So, I'll, I'll flag that one as saying, hey, if you if you got young kids, maybe don't listen to this, whatever it might be. Yeah, right? yeah cool. But and that'll happen on this one too. That's yeah, right. yeah. But there's a part of me that's like, hey, it's it's uncomfortable. Like, I don't have any issue having the conversation. Yeah. But there's a part of me like you're putting out in the public and I think that's great. I think it's powerful. I think we all learn from it. Mm-hmm. But there's absolutely a part of me that questions like, hey, should I be? I don't know. Is yeah, that my there's space? Yeah, you know, there's, there's even proverbs yeah. in scripture that talk about, you know, being able to like, you know, re- the way you respond. Mm-hmm. It needs to be thought out, right. you know. And I, and I should be, I should be aware of that, but these are not anything that, I don't talk about anywhere else yeah, really, right. you know, and I do want to be respectful of parents and kids and stuff too. I mean, yeah. at the same time, I mean, if we're just talking about stuff, yeah. I'll tell you something that's really near and dear to my heart is Christians that don't understand the LGBTQI community sure, and won't learn about it right? because they don't want to, and it's uncomfortable. And what they're doing is they're, they're sowing seeds of discord into their children. Right. Because they're sticking their hands and over their kids ears going la 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 and the kids learning about it on tiktok yeah not mine right not because she won't be allowed to use tiktok but because you know i'll figure that out when i get there yeah. <laughs> you know the, right. what i'm reading these days i probably won't right. anyways you know that and that guy but uh in the other on the other side of things like i can talk with my child about some of these things mm-hmm. and because some of my friends that are going through trials in life they're going through because their parents didn't talk to them about it. Mm-hmm. Their parents didn't talk to them about it because their parents didn't understand. Right. Their parents didn't understand because they were with it. We were probably associated with a group of people that were fearful of it or just willingly ignorant of it yeah. because it was difficult and nobody seemed to have any good answers. And they were told that it was too complicated to understand. And so they just threw their hands up in the air and their kids went out and figured it out on their own. Right. And some of them are happy and some of them aren't right you know and it destroys relationships and it's just like you know i mean i mean and then this goes down to the rabbit hole of like you know gender stereotypes and how are we contributing to our children you know in the in if you're a boy today your color's blue if you're a girl a girl today your color's pink and if you were in the year 1900 your color would have been pink and you know if you're a girl and or a boy and your color would have been blue if you're a girl and right. these are you know guys need to be strong and muscular and 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 you know you know slaying dragons and girls need to be hiding in a castle putting on makeup you know like it's all stuff that not only is it not biblical mm-hmm. Okay, but it's not, it's just, it's a total gender stereotype. So when we were like raising children and then it's like, oh man, what, what do I do here? And now all of a sudden it's like, and then you got a social polls where you've got people that aren't actually, you know, I, I've, I have some of these, you know, occurrences in account man where like, you know, you get people that are in these groups of people that want to identify in, you know, a, a group at whether they want to identify as a Christian mm-hmm. and say that they love people and really they're, they're not acting it out because right. they're not willing to get, understand the people they say they love. Or you have somebody that is jumping on a bandwagon of a social justice subject that isn't actually part of the community, but wants to identify sure. and they're at rallies and they're, and they're, you know, in their insults now are being hurled back and forth at each other and nobody's just being honest. Right. 
you know? Yeah. Nobody's just being honest. Right. I have a dear friend of mine that messaged me not like six years ago. He's like, I've, 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 he sees it as a struggle. He believes that the Bible says that homosexuality is a sin. Um, the way that he walked through it was he just said, Hey guys, um, I'm sending you this message because I've struggled with same sex attraction my whole life. He goes, I personally believe that it's, that's wrong. The Bible says it's wrong. Um, that was his conviction. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't tell him it was, that was his conviction. He read the Bible. He, he read that. And he says, so what I've done is I've just committed to celibacy. I've just committed to not being in a relationship. Right. And he goes, the, the hardest part about it is that the world wants me to embrace who I am and to come out and do all this. Right. And he's like, and, the, and, and he's like, and that would be one thing. He's like, but the worst part is, is the church. They don't understand me. Right. And they don't want me. And, and like, situations like that that like unfold and the guy was like in his 30s when he sent me that message 30 hmm. some years dude walking in that right you know I, I and i know him his dad passed away during the process of him trying to figure out a lot of these things like it's just just you know a lot of heavy heavy stuff and right and and we're arguing on social media about it right. <laughs> you know they and them and all these you know right i just i man it, it just uh so i want to i want to be able to um I want to be able to just try to say, Hey, let's just slow down. Right. Let's just slow down and, and wait before we start hurling insults. You yeah. Know, the aspects of division that come in over stuff like that, but literally right. like you can boil it down to honesty and compassion and right. know, stuff like, man, things change, you know, but yeah, anyway. no, I, I appreciate it. And then even think about that whole, pro- the whole process of maybe we're talking about uncomfortable things yeah. for some people, right. Is eventually decided, Hey, I think it's disrespectful to the person that I'm talking to if I try to eliminate some of that potentially, right? Maybe, I don't know. I guess I, let's I, elaborate. I don't know what so, you mean yet. So this is a huge part of what you're passionate about, yeah. right? It would be disrespectful to you to say, hey, I'm not comfortable with this. Oh. Let's remove that. Oh, okay, cool. That's how yeah, I feel. Right on. I don't know. Sweet, that's where man. I'm at. No, that's great. That's cool. Uh, and then also- I also don't want to be like, it's not, it's not my it's not my hell to die on. Sure. Like, right. it's I, I'm not out. I'm not out like- protesting or anything there what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to look for individual relationships to form in my life where i can learn more about other people right and i can show them love yeah so even on the again I, the last episode i thought about it though I, I talked to three or four close friends and said hey this probably sounds trivial but just from my pretty conservative background okay it's like hey here's a conversation about porn addiction and stuff like this oh, okay, should yeah. i release this right and that sounds crazy but that's where i'm coming from right yeah concerned uh, about what friends family sure. whatever else might think and eventually it's like regardless of how people portray themselves, this is something that 90 plus percent of men right now deal with, this, right? Yeah, it's probably higher than that even. If not higher, right? I'd be shocked if it was that low. <laughs> why, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Why wouldn't you have yeah. that conversation, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Because Because it's it's uncomfortable and, right. and there's different opinions and you have to unpack things and it's embarrassing and people want to pretend like it's not there. And, right. And, uh, I mean, if you really want to get psychological on things, like try to figure out how a guy can know that, you know, uh, something that he's watching that he's like enjoying and having dopamine releases on is mm-hmm. like literally that somebody being abused. Right. Like, how is that possible? Like, how do we get to that point? Right. How do we reach that level? Oh, right. but humans aren't flawed. You just have to believe in yourself. I'm like, oh yeah. man, like, no, there's evil in us. There's right. evil in us, man. Like right. the Holocaust happened, like in worse things than that, yeah. you know, in history. So it's like, yeah, it, uh. And then I then I even thought about I shouldn't like say the, that because there's not worse things, but I mean it's like you, it's it's relative, but there's, yeah. it's just evil. There's evil, absolutely. You know? Yeah, period. They're evil. We're all flawed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, but then there's even parts of me that I was thinking about. Hey, well, like every man that listens to that conversation will instantly like, yep, this is true. Then I'm thinking, okay, what about the mother, right? That listens to this, 
a most of them would probably agree this is true but if not it would enlighten them that hey maybe this is something i really should be having conversations with my sure. about, right sure uh so i just like no this is the thing put it out there right yeah uh, i have you know and i yeah i like i said i i bring it to my subject that i've been talking having conversations with about um our are about like some of the the different you know sexual preference communities and, and different orientation communities that are out there mm-hmm. um, because uh, with husbands and wives that have children because it's you know such a polarizing subject that people get caught up into and they get forced into a war that they shouldn't even be in mm-hmm. you know I had a I had an aunt the other day that posted a thing on social media and said. Uh, and she posted something and this wasn't what she meant, but w- she posted a, a, a meme, um, that said, uh, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for more or for less. So God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for less than we are teaching and celebrating in our schools today. Sure. Speaking of, she was specifically referring to transgender materials being brought into a fourth grade classroom down in Madison where her grandchildren go to school. Right. And so as an evangelical pastor, I see her quote a section of Bible where God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah through fire. Okay. Nuked them. Mm -hmm. And she is saying that what we're doing by bringing those transgender materials into the classroom is worse than what God, that than what the people were doing in Sodom and Gomorrah that yielded God's judgment. Mm-hmm. Now, as someone that studies the Bible, that's wrong on a lot of levels. God did not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of the sin of homosexuality. According to the Bible, God destroyed God, Sodom and Gomorrah because the people of Sodom and Gomorrah were literally trying to kill God's people and like rape them to death. Sure, and it wasn't. It didn't matter, man or woman. It was like, and, and so it wasn't like God was like, "Oh, homosexual, I got to squash this." That's not what He was doing. He was He was dealing with complete unrepentant sin that was bringing humans to a point where they were trying to kill God Himself. Right. Mm. So it's like He's just like, "Yeah, no, you're not going to do that." Okay. Um, so she posts this meme that if I have friends that are transgender and they see that one of my relatives posted this thing, like that, like God's calling, like we should nuke transgender people. Mm. We should we should nuke the people that are okaying these materials being brought in. So so I called her. I just called her. Right. And I said, hey, I said I uh, I saw that. Um, I I want to talk to you about it because I I know where your heart is. She's frustrated. Sure. Because she doesn't think that those materials should be in the classroom with her with her with her grandkids. Right. I would have to agree with her only because the transgender community doesn't and the medical field doesn't have all these things figured out yet. Right. Right put it in a civics class like talk about it sure we i'm, I'm not going to be say here hey we should talk about this on a podcast but we can't talk about it in school no mm-hmm. we can talk about it in school but probably not to fourth graders right like they're not even having their health classes yet right. at least they weren't when i was a fourth grade it was fifth grade you know like that's when they taught us all how to use birth control right in fifth grade sure okay and like so transgender materials okay like maybe not in fourth grade classroom like like i said civics class i'm not so i'm not opposed to the conversation i'm not opposed to the any of those things it's just that so and i'm not so this is what's really i was actually bummed out that my aunt said this Mm -hmm. i agree with her in her statement that but and she's but then she said this i'm just so broken and hurt that these materials would be in the classroom with my kids with my grandkids i said no you're not you're frustrated and you're angry and you're reacting sure this goes against your worldview 
Okay. Right. And you want to legislate it. Sure. You can't do that. Right. And scripturally, we're not called to do that. Christians were not called to go and start their own Christian nation. Christians were supposed to go and to go into every other nation and give the gospel. Sure. And if that was received, awesome. If not, they were literally told, shake the dust off your feet, keep going. Yeah. Like that's what the command was. And so to get to this point where like where we're fighting over these things, I'm just like, oh, no, 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 stop. Follow on the play. Like I'm not, I won't, I won't. And, and I will then go, no, your theology is off here. This is not what was taking place. And you've now made, you've used the Bible to try to legitimize something that you don't know anything about. Right. You don't know anything about it. How many transgender people have you met? Like, like to my aunt, I'm asking her this, like yeah. that will tell you, Hey, that will open up enough to you that trust you enough to talk to you about their biology. You know, right. like it's not something we lead with. Like I didn't walk up to you and shake your hand on the street and be like, Hey, I'm a dude. You mm-hmm. know, like I didn't like, we don't, you know, right. It's not something that we lead with. It's not. So why are you going in a platform and saying this? Because obviously it wasn't thought out. And I'm not trying to say that my aunt is unintelligent. My gosh, man. I used to go and spend summers on this. Such a loving couple, her and my uncle, and just great, great, great people. Right. And, I, and, the, and the, part, the reason why I merited the phone calls because I knew she'd listen. I was like, hey, this is what I'm saying. I'm not telling you you're evil. Right. I'm not telling you you're, you're you know, I'm just... In, in like that you mean this maliciously. That's what I meant to say. I, I don't believe that you meant this maliciously, but like, this is what my friends, like when my friends think that you think they should be nuked. Right. When you say this. Right. And that's not cool. No. And I'm going to just say something. I just want to say something about it. Right. Whether you meant it that way or not, logically, that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like when I read the statement and I apply logic, you're saying God should destroy these people. Right. Yeah. And if you're a Christian and you've confessed that, Jesus' blood was a redemption for your sins. You're part of the problem too. Sure. Like so, you get to get nuked as well. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not that one person. You know, if we're really like looking at it, and so those are the types of things that I see playing out, and I just get burdened for it, and that's why I'm like, hey, you're you're upset about this. You're talking really loudly about it, but you're not actually contributing to the solution mm-hmm. you're trying you're you think this is going to get what is this going to get solved through a war like what do you think where do you think this is going to go right you know like this isn't going to happen in fact the disciples of jesus when the people of um samaria would not they went to go in and jesus was going to go give the gospel like say hey i'm the messiah to the city in in the new testament and it says that the people rejected him and there were these two brothers that were disciples of Jesus. One of them's name was James and the other one's John. And they literally looked at Jesus and they were like, should we call fire out of the sky and consume them? Hmm. Like they said that you are, you know, you might be familiar with this. No, no, no. Okay. No. Well, like there was an account where Jesus and Jesus was just like, no, right. like, what are you where? No, right. no, we're not nuking people. Like, stop it. Like, no, that is wrong. Right. And, but like, that was the disciples in their early season. Right. Yeah. And like John, the guy that literally asked that question and was walking with Jesus was the guy that wrote the book of Revelation, bro. Like hmm. he was exiled to an island for like a number of years in slave labor, had that vision, wrote that book. And eventually he came back to society. There was a changeover in Kings mm-hmm. and the king released him back into society. And he traveled around the world for the rest of his life, giving one sentence sermons and Christians would flock from all over the world to see this guy. And he would just stand up and he would say, 
my dear children, love one another. And he would sit down. This is the guy that wrote the book of Revelation. Like all the apocryphal, like crazy, like prophecies about the world coming to an end and animals with like the body of a scorpion and the man of a face and, uh, you know, the face of a man and like all this stuff, right? And he traveled the last portion of his life telling people one thing, love one another. Hmm. It's just crazy. So there's these aspects of... of uh, that I that I find it, I'm just like, man, this is applicable. This yeah. is totally, this is totally applicable. You know, it doesn't mean I understand it completely, but right. But anyway, so yeah, and I and I don't either. And right or wrong, I haven't explored a lot of these subjects, right? Mm-hmm. And just from a naive place or yeah. whatever it is, right? But uh, one of the things, like uh, through this all, I get a strong sense that you're, how do you say it? No matter who comes before you, you can appreciate them. Right, like you, you, you. Yeah, there's a book that I read uh, called uh, "Holy Jesus," and it's W H O L L Y Jesus, and it's by this guy. Uh, he's a father of a, a musician. The musician's name is John Foreman. Plays for Switch. He's a little frontman for Switchfoot. Okay, it's this guy's dad. He's a pastor down in California. He wrote this book called "Holy Jesus," and basically, his he's his case that he makes in this book is that everything that we have been given in life, there's a part of it that is redeemable. Mm-hmm. Even though we're fallen in nature, and even though like we were broken at our core there's an aspect of the person of Jesus that helps to like connect the dots. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, one of the things, one of the examples that he gave is like when he was doing mission stuff and he was over in like, um, you know, Eastern countries and they would do the namaste, right. And mm-hmm. they'd bow their head and fold their hands. And, and it was rec- one person recognizing the energy and another person. And right. Well, uh, some Christians would have a serious problem with that. Cause it's like part of a pagan religion or whatever. And he just, he, he embraced it. Now he's not a universalist. He doesn't, doesn't believe that all gods are the same, nor do I. I don't believe that either. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, he was able to have this conversation with these people where he was like, I can biblically, I can find this in scripture. And it's where God created man in his own image. Mm-hmm. Like we were created in the image of God. That's what the Bible tells us. And so regardless of how flawed you are, you still got that fingerprint, man. Right. You still, we talked about it at the beginning of this conversation. You still got that fingerprint, like namaste. Like I can recognize that there's something in you that is in like you across the table from me speaking to another microphone. I will never meet another person that has what God has given you. Sure. Ever. Right. Like I've never like, you know, and if we hang out again, that's awesome. But like, there's something about you that no one else has. Right. You know, and you know it's your fingerprint, but no, there's, yeah. it's, it's deeper than that, right? Right. So uh, those types of concepts, I really, yeah, I do, I appreciate that about people. I'm, I have to remind myself of it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Honestly, what do you mean, you remind know? yourself that you're different, or remind yourself that you should appreciate people? I have to remind myself that I should appreciate okay. people. Yeah, sure. no, man, I, I, I do. I sometimes I forget. You yeah. know, I don't get like full blown road rage, but you know, what I mean, people driving on the left lane with their cruise control on, right. like it just grinds me. And I'm like, what is wrong with this person? Yeah. And I'm like, wait a second. Oh yeah. Slow down. Yeah. yeah. Well, there, there's, there's spectrums for me for sure. And I'll get into that in a second, but the, uh, through this podcast, one of my strong interests in this whole bit is psychology, right? Like okay. a lot of we've been talking about is getting into the mind of the individual, sure. you, your backstory. Why yeah. did this mean that? Whatever through that, I'm pretty seriously considering going to school for psychology, right? Okay. Becoming a psychologist yeah. or whatever it might be, or even just go and learn and have fun with it, right? Yeah. Uh, one of the questions there that I was exploring and then even thinking about that, I, I tell myself I have limits to it, is is there a, a correlation between the struggles that you've gone through and the flaws that you can see within yourself and your ability to be a good psychologist or somebody that, I mean, as a psychologist, I think you should have the same traits that you have is that you can sit across and somebody appreciate them, be open to them, whatever it might be. Is there a correlation that I talked about? Why is it that I can be open? Oh, and 
I, I feel like it's because I know that I'm flawed, right? I don't know that to be true. But anyways, is there sure. a correlation between like pain that you've had, flaws that you have, struggles that you've gone through, and the inverse of that being true that because of that, you can really, really appreciate these people and see these people as f- people. I'm not, I'm not saying these people. I'm saying anybody, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, it feels like there's some kind of correlation there. Like if you had more of a a bland, nothing life. And it's not to cast judgment. I don't even know how to word it, but either way, it feels like the extremes on one end re- help inform the yeah, extremes on the you other. Know, end, um, the, there's a verse in the Bible and I think it's in the book of Isaiah where it's this prophet that basically talks about, it says we, we will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Right. What that means is the blood of the lamb was the sacrifice, sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross for the sins of humanity that for those that would, you know, receive him as their savior. Um, and in that process, um, the other thing, though, is also the word of our testimony. So the nation of Israel was told when they were delivered from Egypt, okay, they, they went over the Jordan River eventually. They went over through the Red Sea, but then went over the Jordan River. And when they came out, God told them to take 12 stones, big stones, that were and make a, and make a monument um, in, in the Promised Land. So that when their kids grew up, they could say, hey, what are these for? Mm-hmm. And then, then they would be able to say, oh, this is what God did for us. Sure. Because they had, like, all these miraculous things that took place in Egypt, you know. And... Um, there was uh, they were called memorial stones, you know, and so having, you know, process, uh, you know, with that going through hardship and stuff like those can be memorial stones, man. Right. Like there wasn't easy. Right. They went through 400 years of slave labor, you know, in Egypt, the, right. Israel, the nation of Israel did, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not just biblical history. Like that's world history. Like they went through 400 years of it. And according to the Bible, they went through it on a promise to Abraham, who was like the great, great, great grandfather. And it was legitimately like, Hey, I'm going to have you go through this bondage. And people are like questioning God's character. Why did he have them go through bondage? And I think it's Genesis 10. He tells Abraham as he's giving them this prophecy about how great his nation is going to become. He says, there's going to be a season where your descendants go into captivity. And it's because the sin of the Amorites is not yet full. Mm -hmm. You're like, what in the world does it have to do with anything? And then all of a sudden you realize that the land that God was calling them to go and live in was this land that was that happened to be uh, the Amorites mm-hmm. and it was this nation that was completely super super wicked and but God allowed his descendants his chosen nation to go into captivity evil captivity and bondage for 400 years hmm. while he extended grace to this other people group right and then was the nation of Israel left and were delivered from Egypt through the hand of Moses and went and when they went into this land and, and conquered this land the people that were living there th- by their own testimony they were like we believe that your God is the God and there were some that were like hey save us and then those were those were allowed to like be and there were others that were like no we were killing you and your God hmm. and then they, they died mm-hmm. and you know I wasn't there I don't know all that you know some people want to say was that allegory some people want to say is that literal i believe it was literal but i can't explain it all either so that's right. just my own my own view anyways all that being said there's these there's these marks of like don't forget where you came from you know like sure. d- don't do it like there's you know it's there's this process of regeneration that's talked about in the new testament called redemption right and sanctification and there's this redemptive process that comes when you when you accept god and but at the same time uh, so there is an aspect of like forming a new identity sure um but it's also like uh you're also you'll overcome by the word of your testimony like there's something there to establish to be able to be like look this is who i was Mm -hmm. and this is who i am right and i don't have an explanation for that man like i moved up here out of rehab on a motorcycle with a duffel bag full of clothes and some instruments, mm-hmm. right? I've owned two recording studios that I've built out, commercial property that I've bought, started other, helped other businesses start up, run my own company, and now I'm pastoring a church and getting paid to take people fishing. Right? It's silly. 
Right. I worked at KFC for five years in Iron River. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I had a roommate and we'd stink and come home smelling like greasy chicken every night. Right. Whatever. I got chronic kidney stones. Hmm. You know, I went through a whole urethroplasty with a buccal mucosal graft where they rebuilt the last X amount of my urinary tract with skin grafts from the inside of my mouth. Like hmm. hell. Right. Dude, hell. Right. <laughs> you know, like just crazy, 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 crazy stuff. And at the same time, like I'm just here like, hey. This is what it. This is what's up. And so, yeah, I think a lot of where I, what I've come to believe, and a lot of what I'm talking about, does derive from my past. But I would have never been able to walk through the things that I'm walking through now if I didn't have to walk through that then. Right. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know. I can't say for sure. But yeah, I think so. To me, there's a correlation, but that's not to say that somebody that has had an easier life can't be yeah correct. a great person. Right? Correct. Correct. Um. But yeah, no, and I said I have a spectrum. I talk about being a, a psychologist, and I talked about the last podcast that I did. I was talking to a, a gentleman who's in his master's program of psychology, going to his doctorate, another person who is a chiropractor, just about to graduate, but his initial interest was in psychology. We kind of had a psychology roundtable, and I was just picking their brains, whatever else. They were talking about a uh, psychologist, one of their professors, who one of his last deals, or either heard a story about this guy, one of his last patients he had before he retired, the guy came in, and he had just cut up his wife and put her in a trunk, right? Like brutal stuff, okay. right? And I'm put, and he talked about how that made him realize he's not meant to be a psychologist, right? Mm-hmm. And I think about myself in that shoes. I'd say I'm open to people. I can respect them. I can trust them. I don't know that I could do that right you don't know until you're there i was right. at a men's retreat with a church group a couple months ago right and we're sitting around campfire smoking a cigar yeah you know just hanging out autumn and uh look over at a guy i'm like hey so what's your story mm-hmm. you know watched my mom get gutted by her boyfriend hmm. and she lived right you know yeah and, and it wasn't wasn't his action though and again it's and i'm not I, here to no 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 no, no, no right 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 but like yeah. i just hear that right and you're just like what do i even say man right. like what like, like i just what do i have to even be able to how do i even i don't right. like it i got nothing man like i i do eventually like i come to the place where i'm just like well, how are you like right how can i help you know like you know yeah. and i just want to listen mm-hmm. right and i just want to hear but yeah, man, there's moments where you're just like, uh, uh what? Nah, mm-hmm. I can't do this. Right. I can't do this. Right. You know? And I just, I just am, I don't know. It's, it's stuff's so hard. I think that, but the desire for transparency mm-hmm. is what helps. I'm not telling him, oh, it'll be okay. Right. Cause I don't know that it will be. And I'm being honest. Right. And I don't want to tell him something that's not true. Yeah. And I don't think that needs to, for me personally, it doesn't need to define whether or not I go into it. Cause you can work in more of a pot positive or like life uh trajectory yeah, side of psychology yeah, yeah, right yeah, you don't yeah. need to be on this extreme yeah. end i appreciate the dark side because then that can help you bring them to the light and that whole bit right but sure that, i think you could structure a world where you're not in that yeah, yeah, end yeah, yeah. or yeah. or it's twice within 40 years and it's a part of yeah, the thing hopefully that you, you can I don't know. you know if you're successful enough that you can pick and choose that stuff you know right yeah. i know as a pastor for me i don't i don't get to right people come to church and they're like hey pastor yeah and i walk into something going hey it's all awesome sweet and all of a sudden what yeah whoa like I say, I'm yeah. open to it. Yeah, like I yeah, feel yeah. like I am, but I just hearing that story, that's like, hey, let's go to the extreme, and I immediately have the reaction of, I don't know if I'm cut over that, right? Well, that probably means you are. I mean, yeah. I can't say that definitively. I don't know anything about you other than right. this conversation, but if you are if you have apprehension, then I would take that. It's better that you have apprehension than think you got it. Right. I think anybody would tell you that. Yeah. Same thing with law enforcement. Right. You know, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Okay, see ya. Yeah. Nah. You know, many times it's the people that are like, I don't know if I can do this, that are the ones that are cut out for it. Right. Right. Yeah. And then who knows? It's all. Uh, I didn't think I'd cut out to be a pastor, man. I told I said that coming into this thing, like when the right. church asked me to be pastor, I was like, yeah, no. Right. 
you got 34 right. other churches in our economy, and one of the, one of these isn't going to be missed. Right here we are. Right, you know what I mean. So the uh, so we haven't even hardly talked fishing. Right, <laughs> I think we should do a follow up. Sometime. I don't care. Yeah. We do it. Uh, I got to go back for more work. So right. Yeah, we 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 can wrap it up soon. So let's do another time, whenever it works. Yeah. Our paths cross. Let's yeah, do a follow right up on. and actually focus on the sure. fishing side. Sure. Even though I I enjoy the heck out of this conversation for sure. Yeah. But I guess I've got one last question for you. I'll make it about fishing, yeah. unless you've got anything else whatever. that we didn't cover. What has that been for you? Like, I mean, outside of well, I guess you can take it anyway. About internal, yeah, like the the fishing, the the guiding side of things. Like that's something I've thought about quite a bit. One, I get to talk about this stuff every day. Okay, so a new guy shows up in my car every day, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Hey, so what brought you to Iron River?" Right, it's yeah. all out there. Sure, that usually lets me know right away during the day. It sets the tone for a lot of things. Yeah. Now I have personal interact. Like this is the thing, man. Is that honesty and that transparency triggers these guys? Oh yeah. Into like lowering their their um guard guard yeah and i'm it's not because i'm trying to get in and they're already paying me for the day man i ain't trying mm-hmm. to get anything else like i just want them to have a good time i want them to be happy right. with the trip and there's got to be a level of professionalism there mm-hmm. but uh if you're familiar with river runs through it or you're fi- familiar with any kind of like fishing anything mm-hmm. you know the literature that goes along with it is it's usually it's the place where also people do talk about things and they open up because they're just comfortable mm-hmm. so you know talking about god in a fishing boat right like every right. that's like a very cliche thing right and um and so it lends itself to what i do but i don't do i just i just do it to be honest since there's some guys that i share with and they're like oh yeah right on man cool yeah and then there's other guys that are like whoa tell me about that yeah you know i've had some guys that that um you know celebrities that i've guided that have been like you know hey i googled you and i saw that whole thing about that guy that broke into your house right what in the world man and you know so i can talk you know i'll talk about that and and so at the same time uh, i process a lot of things man i run a youtube channel dark waters fly shop you can look it up i've got another video i've got a video on there it's called um process processing life on the river okay i think that's what it's called contemplating life on the river that's what it's called and it was a week after my wife and i miscarried man Hmm. and it was dumb it was so dumb and i just brought my cameras out into the woods i filmed myself and a really good friend that was up visiting fly fishing for the day Mm -hmm. we caught some steelhead we hung out in the woods made some coffee I opened up to the camera and just said, yeah, like this is a place where I just want to sit and process sometimes. This is what's going on. And it just sucked. Yeah. And then halfway through the day, he hooks this giant steelhead and it's ripping them downstream. Right. And I've got my jet boil in one hand with all my coffee that I just made. And I've got the net in the other and I'm running down the river in this fish and it wraps around this branch and it yanks its head and it snaps itself off. And as it turns to like swim downstream, I shove the net in the water and I scoop this fish. Yeah. And it's all on film, and this guy's like, "Oh my god!" I'm like, "I didn't even spill my coffee." You know, we're laughing, we're hugging, we're hugging each other, and whatever. And it's just like this cool like moment. It's a stupid fish, you know, like whatever. But at the same time, it was just like I got to get out, let's breathe fresh air, Hmm. see nature, you know, experience the process of life and death on the river, walk through. You know, I mean, there were things that I there's things that I see in the woods, man. Right. You know, I'm out. I'm out. I, in the springtime, I find dead fawns, and it's, it's, it's kind of morbid, but, like, there's dead fawns all over in the rivers for a couple of reasons. Like, they're going to get water, they fall in, and they get pinned under a log, mm-hmm. you know? And then a black bear comes by and has lunch, you know? Like, that's a real thing. It's right. kind of gross. 
You know, I'm in a I'm in a drift boat going down a river, and I get a chainsaw out to try to cut the tree that's blocking our way, and I can realize I can't cut it on this side because I'm gonna have to cut through the deer that's pinned underneath it. Right. You know what I mean? It's right. like, oh man, oh I don't want to see that. Gross, right. yuck. Oh, life and death. It's real, right? Yeah. You know, and so and that's the same thing with us. Yeah, you know, we got a lot longer life expectancy. We're a little bit more comfortable. You know, right. opposable thumbs, but <laughs> right. Right. we're we're on this. We're we're in this. We're living the dash between our birth and death yeah and uh those things are real and when i'm out there i can contemplate them and i can think about them mm-hmm. and I, they don't have to be these things that i hide from right you know the i'm curious your thoughts on this is so me and my brother have talked and i don't know if it'll ever happen but we had to have this pipe dream of doing are you familiar with hal blood out out east he's a big woods bucks guide guy no <clears throat> anyways he has a guide he got my favorite with. season of the year is deer hunting because really? none of you guys are on the river yeah. <laughs> so, so I get the whole river to myself. Yeah. yeah. So Hal Blood has this big woods buck hunting guide operation out east, and we thought about like replicating that out here. Oh, okay. I don't know if we will, right? But it's it for me. It'd be like an adventure style backpack hunting, sure. canoe down a river, set up a wall tent, be back there for a week, whatever it is. More of like an old style traditional hunt, no baiting, hiking. I mean, just for the adventure of it, right? Yeah. Uh, a lot of red tape with the national forest. Tell you that. Yeah, for sure. So, I dug into that year. a little bit, right? Uh, and maybe I'll ask you for some advice there. The, but like in my head, the ultimate is that like your clientless. And I'm curious if this happens for you. Is like appreciates you for like the openness that you bring to the hunt. Like it's more than just fishing, right? Yeah. For me, it's more than just hunting, yeah. and, and it'd become a thing where you almost have like this brotherhood. Mm-hmm. This if it's ladies, whatever, it doesn't matter what. It I'm is. really close to guys. Like there's and I and I don't mean this. I don't want to like talk name drop because yeah. just they're guests to come on trips every year yeah. and they, and they're, I just want to be respectful, but it's not just those guys either. Mm-hmm. You know, I got CEOs of huge companies, right? You know, presidents, vice presidents, CEOs of huge companies that come over and fish and stuff like that. But also I get the stay at home dad that like saved up money, right. dude, and booked a trip. And it's like, there are, if there's a connection Dude, it's it's right. awesome. It's so awesome. Yeah. yeah. So uh, in my head, I love it. I I, I would We're love it. Texting too. on Thanksgiving and Christmas, saying hey, and sending each other pictures of our families and stuff. And yeah, it's not so that I can get them to book a trip next year. It's, right. You know, they already booked. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's all. It's just because we. It's, there's a connection, man. Yeah. No, in my head, it's a thing where it's like it doesn't have to go there. Like, it's, if we don't just have a hunt and have a fun time, great, no problem, right? But it's like. Hey, you want to talk about life? I right? also screen my clients know. pretty hard. Do you? Yeah. yeah. Like if I don't think that they're that kind of person, yeah. I don't guide them. Sure. I'm booked. Right. Maybe that's not honest. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. I think so. I think it's the way to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, I can eliminate some of the headache in my job that way. Right. I've had some of the, yeah, but, but yeah, I just, and I tell guys too, like, look, this is an experience-based trip. Right. We can catch trophy fish, but like, that's not what it's about. Yeah. And if that's what it's about for you, I have a ton of guys that I can refer you to. Yeah. That right. will make it. That'll just how it'll be. But I'm, I'm the guy that like, we don't have to cry on each other's shoulders or mm-hmm. anything, man. But like, we can go out and we can get all the pretense out of the way, right? And just ha- and just enjoy the outdoors, right? Right. That's what I. That's what I feel. That's what I'd be searching for. I don't know if it'll happen, but yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And I enjoy having conversations with people that have different worldviews than me. I right. mean, I don't. I, I'm secure enough in what I believe that I don't have to prove anything. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll, some people want to talk proof that sometimes those are fun conversations if they're in the right format. Right. If there isn't like a personal, you know, and somebody's trying to like, yeah. you know, I'm trying to convert you or you're trying to convert me. It's like, no, if I recognize the, you know, the, the potential, right. I don't have to anything to be afraid of. Right. 
Right. So it's kind of cool. You know, I have, I have a lot of friends that, you know, don't believe in things that I believe in and we mm-hmm. were able to, that's kind of the fun part about being on the water, being in the woods. Mm-hmm. Everything stops, man. Right. Yeah. Right. No. So I think we should do a follow-up someday if our paths cross again and yeah. talk about the fishing side of things and get back into totally. the, uh, the psychology side of it too. Right. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoy the heck out of it. The psychology of a fisherman is a weird place to be because right. you, we just think of so many, we just pontificate about yeah. a million different things. Right. But it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I got a blog on our website called The Musings of a Fly Fisherman. Mm-hmm. I was a huge fan of the X-Files, so there was The Musings of the Smoking Man. But hmm. but uh, uh, the the Musings of a Fly Fisherman and I talk about all kinds of stuff that we think we know about fish and we do these silly, stupid things and you think you got things figured out. and But then there's other purposes of stuff, you know, like oh, the opener of trout season. You know, I love it. I got right. a blog on there about that it's customary it's like deer camp yeah you know some people are about the big fish Mm -hmm. Uh, trout opener i'm not right you know to me it's an act of self-control to not have to go and catch fish and it's just about like the food that we eat and hanging out by a river and camping yeah you know so there's all those like psychological practices you can do i jokingly say that it's like offering uh, you know it's a homage to the fishing gods Mm -hmm. (laughs) right like to to let them know that like you're okay with not catching a fish right so if I can do it one day a year, it'll make up for all the other years when I've got buck fever and I'm trying to catch that big brown yeah. or whatever, you know, it's just, and I, I work humor into it when we write and stuff like that too, but it's cool, man. And yeah. uh, we try to tell these stories on YouTube channel and stuff. So if you yeah. check that out and whatever. Yeah. And I'll put it in my intro when I introduce sure. you, but what's, where can people find you? Right. You uh, said- Dark Waters Fly Shop. You can Google it. You can do get darkwatersflyshop.com, uh, darkwatersflyshop on YouTube, Instagram, um, and it's, you'll see it, you yeah. know, it's there. We got a, we got a pretty solid, um, you know, solid enough for a small town UP business. You yeah. know, uh, I've been running the YouTube channel for a number of years now. That's been good. I have been uploading less and less as the years go on, but it's, I think because of the quality of the films are getting better and better. Sure. I take a lot more effort to put into it. Right. I've tried to put a lot of thought into them. I try to express myself very well in them. A lot yeah. of, I have a lot of short films that are like two minutes long that are literally just no monologue, no talking no nothing, just music and, and, and video. Huh. Um, try to showcase the beauty of the up right uh, we go to really remote places sometimes other times we're right out our back door mm-hmm. disguise all of my footage so people don't know where we're fishing so they don't right. come fish us out yeah uh it's, it's yeah it's funny i've gotten hate mail i've had people threaten me for having a youtube channel as a fisherman oh, yeah. in the up for sure i've had you know you know talk about crazy stuff like that like i've had guys file false reports about me that mm-hmm. the dnr found out and then and then you know, acted on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a crime to false report. You know, people sure. don't realize that. And I've been harassed on the river. I've had guys threaten me. It's just, it's just silly, silly things. I got notes on, on the bulletin board in our fly shop that were like threatening letters left on my vehicle. <laughs> crazy <laughs> stuff, you know, like right. overfish. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, some of these dudes got some priorities misaligned, but you right. know, I, I understand protecting a resource. Like I totally get it. Sure. But uh, nobody's been the people that write those letters aren't the kind of people that want to sit down and have a conversation with me and find out where I'm at. They're the no. kind of person that wants to vent and. and inflate their ego i guess you yeah know? so i just i try to <clears throat> try to walk through those situations as best i can i'm learning more and more i used to react mm-hmm. I used to get really mad right used to stress me out for weeks on end yeah. I used to try to find out who they were and write letters back and make some kind of statement and now i'm just like ah you know and i'll just be like god if you can allow me to like help this person mm-hmm. just show me how yeah you know and right. then that's it and i walk through it yeah and i don't want to flood your messages but if somebody is a parent a kid on the addiction side of things like is that a conversation you're open and willing to have yeah like 906-284-9305 everybody's got my cell phone number man okay that's it like it's it's 
you know, it's it's not something. Here's the thing, though, too, is like I can't. The the person that's in addiction has to want help. Yeah, they don't want it. Right, you can't. It's just not gonna. And we have some resources in the UP. Mm-hmm. There's places people can go, um, and there's a lot of places outside you know, the UP that people can go. The program I went through is called U Turn for Christ. Hmm. It was hell, dude. It was hard, bro. <laughs> Ugh. I'd go through it in a heartbeat again. Yeah, I would. Right. You know. Yeah, I would. Okay. Well, Seth, I really appreciate it. Yeah, Thanks man. for breaking this down. It's fun to, fun to hear, fun yeah. to chat. Nice to meet you. Thanks, Logan. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys. Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have and you feel so inclined, share this podcast with your friends, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and give us some feedback with a review. Until next time, thank you.